Oh my god. What won't Chad drop on the ground? <laughs> Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Rutherford. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about The Last of Us Part 2, which was a game that was developed by Naughty Dog, published by Sony Interactive Entertainment, and was released in 2020 on the PlayStation 4. Now, <laughs> The Last of Us Part 2 is obviously a sequel to The Last of Us, uh, and as such is a survival horror stealth action adventure game. Yeah, it's hard to know where to begin. Yeah. I, I think the game, much like its predecessor, is divided pretty strongly into like the mechanical elements and the narrative elements, and they really don't mix all that well. There's not a whole lot... There, There's a little bit more in this game than in the first one, where I feel like the mechanics are the narrative, but it's still pretty uncommon. Yeah, I feel like that's what they want it to be. It mm-hmm. almost, like It feels like Naughty Dog wants to have their cake and eat it too with their game design. It's like they have two pieces that don't quite fit together, but they force them to. Mm-hmm. And I think that sounds overly critical, but like, I think it's why their games and something like God of War 2016, is that is that right? Is it that old now? Yeah, that feels wrong, doesn't it? Well, anyway, the, the God of War, like... You're thinking of Doom 2016. I think it's God of War 2018. Okay, whatever. The newer God of War, like reboot or whatever you want to call it yeah uh borrowed a lot from their design style and i think it's it's there's something about it that just makes it easy to like poke holes in right i i think what it is is i i think that we've gotten very used to games that feel more cohesive as like a package but this honestly is not far off from what game design has been like for like 20 years like somebody makes like uh, as far back as the nes like people would make a game and then they just like stick some cutscenes in there and like the cutscenes are totally separate in pretty much every way <clears throat> not in all cases obviously there were standout examples then there are now but this uh, it, it feels kind of like an old style of design and i don't honestly think it's bad like i think it is just sort of an effect of the way the game was made uh we talked about the first game on this podcast before, and during that, I know we mentioned this idea of Naughty Dog being, like, aware of the trope that they had sort of, like, propagated with Nathan Drake in the Uncharted games, where it's this guy who's, like, a he's, like, an archaeologist or something, and he just mows down, like, hundreds of people, and they wanted to sort of do a more on-the-nose portrayal of that in in this game where, like, the person is actually affected by the number of people that they're murdering. Mm-hmm. But also, because of that, even as self-aware as they are, and, like, as much as they want that to play a part in the way that the games are written, it still feels like 
there's like a the the hilarious YouTube guy. You know, it does make sense about video games thing <laughs> where Ellie gets shot 150,000 times and just wraps her arm up with a bandage, mm-hmm. and then in the cutscene, everything is fatal instantly. Yeah. So, uh, and then it's not a big deal, but it does feed that disconnect. Yeah, and it stands out um, more in these kind like in naughty dogs games because they strive so hard for realism Mm -hmm. Uh, and it just it just makes all the more video gamey aspects stand out more like the fact that yeah you get shot in the leg and then she only ever wraps her arm (laughs) like once you've seen that a bunch of times you're like wait a minute like even if you'd never thought about it before and probably wouldn't have thought about it in any other game Right. It sticks out in this. Because they go for a more realistic kind of depiction of violence. Yeah. Um, so, uh, similarly to that note, and in order to solve our where to begin problem, I feel like there are these two halves of the game, the the narrative and the mechanical, and I genuinely think that the more interesting place to begin is with the narrative. One, because that's the thing people tend to be talking about with this game. Mm -hmm. And two, so that people who are listening to this podcast will become invested in our content (laughs) and I don't immediately put them off by complaining about crafting. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get to that later. Yeah. Also, spoilers. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk about them all over the place. Oh, yeah, that's true. If you haven't played the game, uh, come back after you have, unless you don't care. Fair. But uh, I like um, what you just said because one of my the first notes that I took was that this game to me felt like a sequel. They wanted to do a sequel to the story and not really to like the game part. Yeah. Uh, this game, I mean, I don't know how much we can read into titles, but... The fact that there's the word that word part mm-hmm. before two makes it feel like not a direct sequel in the way that sequels tend to be taken. Mm-hmm. You wanna when you say part two, I think that you're implying that the game is closer narratively. It's an extension of the first one. Yeah, as opposed to being like a new thing completely and this game definitely rides on that like it is it picks up several years even after the first game but the style of the game is so close to the first one that like there really isn't much i don't know downtime that's unaccounted for uh because you pick up i mean i guess technically you start by controlling joel I don't think anyone was under the impression that you played as Joel in this game as, like, a main character. Yeah, I can't imagine that they did. Ellie's face is all over the marketing. Yeah, it would be very strange. Even if you had avoided everything and picked up the game, even the, like, title... Or not the title, but the, like, the splash image on your console is just a big picture of Ellie's angry face. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, you, everyone, basically in the ensuing years since the end of The Last of Us 1, uh, you guys made a round trip 
for to Salt Lake, the Salt Lake City Hospital, just back to Jackson and Wyoming, where they just settled down and lived for several years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and everything that's cut in between there is visited largely through flashbacks, which is something I want to give the game credit for. Uh, because I will come back to part of this and complain a little bit about it, uh-huh. but a lot of the stuff that happens off screen is accounted for in other ways narratively, and I do like that they made an effort to patch in the holes. Yeah. It feels very continuous. Mm-hmm. It is a little weird just how far into the game that stuff happens, mm-hmm. but I would agree. I think it it benefits from telling it that way. I want to know because we're we're trying to tackle this game from like a an analytic perspective. We mm-hmm. want to look at at the actual game quality. And I don't think that anything truly of note narratively speaking happens before Joel gets a facelift. Right. Like he, well, it's not very far in. That's true, yeah. I mean, there there are things that are important to, like, Ellie and Dina's relationship, mm-hmm. and other things that I do actually want to talk yeah, about. And they, intru- and you, they introduce Abby as well. Yeah. Which you, you also play as for, like, t- 25 seconds or whatever. You mm-hmm. get a little bit of a, a movement tutorial with her Yeah, um, before going back to Ellie. I don't know. I want to know because this is the big thing that people have been talking about. And, like, I think I don't keep tabs on shit prior to release of games that I intend to play. Mm -hmm. But I believe that this is the thing that people claimed was leaked and that everyone was upset about was that Joel died. Mm -hmm. Did that upset you? (laughs) No, uh, not at all. Um, Yeah, like, I also avoided, like, any talk of this before it came out like one because i didn't play the last of us the first one until we did it for the cast so just a couple of years ago yeah and so and i liked it a lot but i'm not like a big fan so i wasn't like eagerly anticipating this um so i wasn't like hugely invested and you know so i didn't feel the need to like keep tabs on like stuff like that and but yeah, so after I finished it, I did some looking into like the stuff people were saying about like I actually hadn't heard about that leak, but yeah, I think that is something that people were like mad about and I I, I can't relate to it at all. Um <laughs> I was actually surprised he was still alive at the start of this game. For some reason, uh it just makes sense that if Ellie's going to have her own game, Joel has to be out of the picture. Yeah. Even if Joel is still alive at the beginning of this game, which I feel like for the sake of like the narrative structure, there has to be at least some explanation of what happens to mm-hmm. Joel. Uh, I, I still think that like it's the right call in a lot of ways. And one of the things that I particularly liked about the first game is just the way that it is a character story. We've all seen like zombie 
media at this point mm-hmm. and we've all seen the zombie media where the zombies aren't really the bad guys it's the enemies of the human beings and shit and blah 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 and it's all very character based but I guess the good thing about character based stories is that they can't really be repeated unless you have like the exact same scenarios occurring uh-huh. so I won't give it a ton of credit for originality, but on the other hand, I will give it credit for very good storytelling structure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first game was really good about this, the way that the relationship between Joel and Ellie built over the course of the game was really well done, and it gave the ending uh, where Joel is essentially like lying to Ellie about what he's done, it, g- it gives it more of like an emotional impact. Mm-hmm. Because there's that thing that that whole like uh, pseudo father daughter relationship built up. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of this game, it had been long enough since I played the first game where my thoughts on Joel had softened a little bit. Where I'm thinking now, like I probably wanted Joel to die at the end of the first game. <laughs> I don't think it would have been a good narrative decision to kill him at the end of the first game Uh but like your monkey brain wants joel dead because he's been such a bastard yeah and now i'm like well maybe joel's not so bad like what's done is done people can grow Uh maybe he's like a better guy now and they do they do like emphasize like he's trying to not be so shitty and to the point where he's even told tommy who gets to be a main character in this game by virtue of being one of the only characters in the first game who didn't die. Uh-huh. Uh, about what he did in Salt Lake. Um, and so I felt like the death was really well placed uh, where, like, I wasn't sad. I feel like it wanted it to be sad or at the very least shocking. Mm-hmm. But it still pulled... It had a lot of impact because... Joel's character feels like it really has grown and changed over the year. Yeah. Um, I think I had mixed feelings about the ending of the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what they want. I think the whole, I think, point of Joel, or one of the major like things they wanted to do with his character, was to like challenge the player's relationship to the character they play as. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they and this is stuff we touched on we talked about the first one but like you're used to empathizing with the main character and like rooting for them because you're playing as them and over the course of the last of us they keep like just making joel a terrible like monster (laughs) and seeing like if you'll still care about him and it, it really pushes it like across the line uh, at the end, where he just kind of like completely regresses, yeah. right, and it, it it stings real bad because you thought, or at least for me anyway, projecting onto him, I thought he had like grown right. and that he would make the right decision, and he doesn't. Yeah, um, and I think that's really effective and uh, bittersweet and all that, as far as an ending goes. Because I do, I think it's a good ending, but I also don't like it at the same time. Right, yeah. Um, And in this one, yeah, they do a good job of, like, as you said, they portray him and he seems like an upstanding guy. Mm -hmm. Like, um, he stands up for Ellie. Well, you you don't see that till 
uh, one of the flashbacks later. I think I'm not a hundred percent. It's mentioned that I he think does it's that. in a trailer. Also, yeah, it was it that big E3 thing that they did That's where they had the special set set up, and it took a million years to get everybody <laughs> in there, and everyone complained about it. Um, but yeah, they did show it there, and it it makes in. When they meet Abby, he's real nice to her, and like he sh- they show him being a nice, cool guy. Yeah, in the pillar be- of the community. Yeah, in the beginning of this, and you're like, wow, he's really grown, and he regrets maybe what he did a little, um, and he's trying to like m- make good in the world now. But, <laughs> uh, and just like when you think he's turning over a new leaf is when his past catches up to him. Right. Which makes that punch real hard. Yes. It, it makes it hit like a golf club to the face. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, I totally agree. I think Julie think it's really well handled. Yeah. And uh, honestly, like, and this is something I feel like praising the walking dead is something that you can't really get away with in 2020 so i will i can't say i've ever really interacted with the walking dead as a piece of media other than playing like the first third of the telltale game that's fair uh but yeah when i what i'm talking about specifically is the television show and uh Without getting into my TV watching habits, mm-hmm. uh, because it's kind of irrelevant, I remember uh, noting something when the first episode of that show ever aired. Because um, I'd read the comics and shit because I was a big dork when I was a kid, uh-huh. and still am. Uh, and I remember noting in the first episode, there's a sequence where Rick shoots a zombie in the head through a like chain link fence. Uh and what happens in that is I was waiting for the cut to black, right? Where they like <gasps> cut ooh, black screen and then the gunshot happens. Mm-hmm. But instead what happens is the camera cuts to the side to get a better angle of like all of the brain matter and shit exploding. Mm-hmm. And other comparisons to The Walking Dead aside, because I feel like there's some inspiration one way or the other going here, but... Uh, I don't particularly find it helpful to make the comparison. The one thing that it does that zombie media as a whole has grown into being more mature about that this game also does is it's very impactful, I want to say, depiction of violence. And, And the Joel scene doesn't really pull punches. There are a few things that, like, are a little bit too much for it to show, but it still does just at a very light, with a light touch. The the sequence where she actually kills him with the uh, the golf club. You don't see it. You don't see it. But then later it does cut to his like caved in skull on the ground. Mm-hmm. So it's it's visceral, and I think that in this game they use that violence to try and create sort of like a really grim but realistic depiction of what the characters are going for and i think that it's it's weirdly successful despite violence in games being just what they are like most of the time yeah the last i mean the first one did this too but they really ratcheted it up in this one is like they've always tried to depict violence really realistically i think that's a good word to use like 
his death, Joel's death, is just as, like, quick and meaningless as, like, you know, it would be in real life. He just gets his head smashed in, and that's it. Like, there's no grandiose, dramatic death scene. It's, you know, it's not heightened like fiction usually does. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just real quick. And, like, there are a couple of characters that just kind of, like get shot yeah, and like you barely even see it <laughs> yeah and it's just like oh no time like <laughs> shit's you know this happens all the time in this world you mm-hmm. know like it's downplayed um and i really like that there's something also i think that um to bring up tv shows some more breaking bad does uh like they really emphasize like just the reality of death and then um on top of that the game um also yeah, adds like the intense or the the brutal violence. Um, also, in a like it's over the top, but it is still portrayed realistically enough. It's not like cartoony gratuitous violence, like a Sam Raimi movie or something. It's like it's pushing the limits of like real gratuitous violence. Yeah, they, there's like a, a there's a level that they can get away with. Uh, of like cartooniness in certain parts of the game because there's like an amount of excessive force that is kind of required in order to fulfill this game's like quota of gunfights and flamethrowers and shit but Mm. they do try and contain that within like the actual infected encounters and i feel like that is the right call and Mm -hmm. lets them serve a purpose uh, I, I do want to talk more about the zombies on the mechanical side because narratively they don't really play a part at all. Nope. The in the first game, uh, the cordyceps I think is what they refer to it as, uh, like the mushroom infection that they all oh, have. I don't remember that. Yeah, <laughs> is obviously considering you know apocalypse fiction zombies the last of us that kind of shit Mm -hmm. is like the primary plot driving the characters ellie is the the object of the game because she is immune and they're trying to find a cure for this disease Mm -hmm. in the sequel there are no there's no cure nobody gives a shit about the cure everyone's given up on the idea yeah and uh they've become it's become very routine for the existence of the zombies it doesn't even really seem like they kill all that many people anymore they Mm -hmm. just kind of rove around doing their shit uh and are downplayed pretty heavily throughout uh like the importance of and then they like weirdly introduce like three new kinds of them (laughs) but like you know as video games yeah and yeah i think it that makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. um given that i think the first game really did focus in on like the human story of it and it makes sense all these years on that like that's less like the the infected are much less of a problem and it's more people killing each other that takes center stage like anyone who's still around is that's not a child is probably like a badass zombie hunter at this point yeah (laughs) it does not take anyone too much effort to take out like some number of infected people Mm -hmm. uh i agree and i think that that is the right call it's something that makes the world feel 
weirdly like more rational in a way because like it actually is sort of like human governed now but then that now i'm like having an epiphany right now like maybe that's the <laughs> point once the humans have regained control of society it gets worse they immediately go to war again because mm-hmm. violence is uh inevitable etc mm-hmm. etc et can my con violence conquer your violence <laughs> uh but yeah so Moving on from there, uh, I don't know exactly where I want to put each half of this, but the my my first thing here is in the Last of Us one, and we had a big talk about it three years ago. Joel's actions and his like motivation for what he does is morally questionable like it is something that yes. you could have <laughs> it's something that you could debate though like you could say oh joel did this be- like because he is a selfish killing machine monster mm-hmm. or you can also say like joel was felt an attachment and that was just like in the moment felt like the right thing to do like the the person you you know takes precedent over these people you don't mm-hmm. uh especially with like ambiguity in the uh in the mix mm-hmm. i feel like from the outset ellie's quest is like purely motivated by revenge it is and there isn't a whole lot of justification for anything that she's doing yeah i think the way my read on that um is it showing Joel's effect on Ellie? Mm-hmm. Like, the monster raised an even worse monster. <laughs> um, like, she's grown up, like, really hardened. And basically, like, she just, like... With Joel, I'm like, goddamn. Like, he's killed, like, a hundred people and doesn't care. Like, it, it seems weird. But with Ellie, it almost makes sense mm-hmm. that, like, killing people does not affect her in any way. Because she's been doing it since she was 12. Yeah. Uh, so, like, that's kind of how I read, like, like, you know, that's how I contextualized it. Yeah. And I, I do, I agree with you on this. I, I think... Uh... It is definitely Joel's influence, and the fact that it's Joel who is killed that makes her do this Mm -hmm. is kind of like the reasoning behind how harsh she treats everything. And we have this character who's introduced, uh, Dina, who is another uh, another, resident of uh, Jackson, and they end up like linking up and traveling she goes with her to basically go slaughter a whole bunch of people and i feel like i don't know why i mean i guess i understand why she goes with her but i feel like there isn't a lot of justification for dina's sort of complicitness is that a word in like how the whole plot plays out yeah it is weird how it normalized it is like no one ever tries to talk her out of it 
Yeah. Uh, she just, everyone just wants to tag along, actually. <laughs> uh, it yeah, That does feel weird and isn't really addressed, especially with Dina. Mm-hmm. Dina seems like one of the more well-adjusted, like, normal people. And, like, she wouldn't be okay with, like, going to kill hundreds of people, potentially. But she does, and she's not only that. Not only that, but she's actually pretty good at it. Yeah, like, yep. Yeah, as I said, all, all the is... all the adults are badass zombie hunters. I do. I will point out that uh, uh, what's her name? Tommy's wife. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Does try and talk you out of it, and tries to keep you from going uh, until Tommy himself goes. At which point, she's just like whatever just don't let him get murdered or whatever and to your credit you don't he does actually survive somehow uh-huh. uh despite being shot multiple times uh he, he had some arm bandage yeah he had a good arm bandage and was able to to put that shit back together but uh <laughs> the character that does try and keep you there is notably also the character in the first game who is like, why are you people leaving our settlement? Like, she could just put down roots in Jackson and never be moved and would be totally fine with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it fe- it almost feels like it's ex- it's excessively part of her character and nobody else really ever steps in. So I think the yeah. point still stands. Yeah, I think the idea is that, like this sort of stuff is so commonplace like that like, no one's like they're like of course she's gonna go on a revenge quest now <laughs> you know like even though and i guess like it makes sense that like the general like community of people in jackson might think that way like oh no like oh they killed joel like ellie's gonna go like kill them all right you know but like her actual friends are just like yep let's go yep pack up pack up your guns <laughs> Uh, yeah, it it's definitely like glossed over and feels a little bit weird. Yeah, and yeah, and so going from there to there, there is this whole like development of Dina and Ellie's relationship, and I feel like I think it's partially there to justify the cl- compliance that Dina has with everything that Ellie wants to do at the beginning, and you see Dina sort of like get tired of the shit and grow out of it in the end at the end of the game uh which like good for her that was like that's that's i like dina as a character for throughout the entire game yeah uh and even though i felt like she didn't add a whole lot in the middle Mm -hmm. uh and was sort of treated as just like a reason to go out on your own occasionally Mm -hmm. uh I think she was generally well-written and, and goes along with it. But in order to justify that, like, narratively, they have this sequence where as soon as you get control of Ellie, what's happening is you're being woken up by Jesse, this guy, other guy who lives in Jackson. And Jesse comes in, and he's like, blah, 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 what happened last night? And immediately what Ellie's mind jumps to is that she and Dina kissed in front of a bunch of people and she's like oh i'm justifying it she kissed me it wasn't me etc etc it's just dina being dina Mm -hmm. and jesse and dina used to date right yeah and jesse is just like that's fine (laughs) yeah 
there's a very limited supply of uh potential uh girlfriends around here yeah. but that's but that's fine it's whatever you know <laughs> it's not that they used to date either at the time i think they are dating oh they are still dating yeah okay so jesse and dina are dating and this is where the game becomes like kind of a soap opera and also i thought it, it they they said that they had been broken up for like two weeks or something they were on again off again okay. what I, from the the ending cutscene where it shows the scene in the bar, she's like, you'll be back together. In, in like, a week, yeah. yeah. Which implies that they are not dating currently. That's a good point, yeah. So, which makes a little more sense as to why he's so fine with it. And I was definitely under the impression that they were dating. And either way. Yeah. Well, it's not either way. It's critically <laughs> important to this point that I'm making. Oh. <laughs> because then, you guys go out on your whole thing, and then uh, Ellie and Dina are sent on a patrol and they go on the patrol on their little horses. I'm doing these hand motions mm-hmm. that nobody can Just see. Just for me. Yeah. And the blizzard happens. Uh, and I didn't want to like go into this, but that part sucked as far as like actually moving around and having fun. Uh-huh. Uh, but you're on the horses and then you get into this like bunker, which is where one of the guys that lived in Jackson, he used to be a firefly, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the shit happens and then uh jesse shows up and just like very obviously you're fucking like Uh (laughs) and he still is like kind of okay with it (laughs) and then later you're just dating and gone and jesse just doesn't come back for like (laughs) like Presumably, like, he doesn't see you guys for, like, weeks, right? Uh Like, it's been a while since the traveling happened. And I want to know, how how the fuck did this guy get so chilled out? (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Maybe they broke up because he was into somebody else. <laughs> so you're, if you, if you he was like, oh, on him and yeah, yeah, he's like, oh, she's <laughs> on to somebody else. Now I don't have to worry about it. Yeah, and then also she's pregnant. Which... Yeah, well, that's the bigger thing is yeah. she's pregnant with his kid, and he doesn't really seem to care about that. Yeah, he's so he, like, he, yeah, he's just kind of like, whatever, <laughs> man. Like I don't know he, if he's he found the pot farm. He's just been hoarding all of that to himself. <laughs> They're like, "All right, we got to go find Tommy. Uh, let's go." And then Ellie and Dina ride off separately, and he's just like closes the door. <laughs> <laughs> when he shows up in uh, what is it, Seattle? Yeah, yeah. Uh, he like drops his backpack and just tons of joints fall Roll out, out yeah. <laughs> just that's all he brought with him it's natural man uh but yeah i don't know if this is like a supremely hot take on jesse but he seems like a his entire existence is to be your sidekick briefly in the game at every other point that he's there he seems so just nonchalant about everything that he never feels like he's making much of an impact on the story. He kind of feels like he might be a victim of like rewrites where he had a bigger part and Mm. they like wrote it out. Yeah. (laughs) And that, yeah, like the biggest moment for him is, well, when he gets shot in the head, but also when you're like uh, going to get the boat to actually go to the aquarium Mm -hmm. and he's like, we gotta go 
our separate ways or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he goes off to find Tommy and does successfully and then comes back. But even then, they kind of put the impetus on the whole rescue mission on Tommy. He's like the fact that he went to get Tommy and then they both came to the aquarium within like 10 minutes of you getting there. Uh-huh. Uh Means that, like, Jesse may have played a part, but it wasn't really mm-hmm. uh, that significant. So, I don't know. It was just surprising to me that he was, like... I was honestly kind of surprised he came back at all. Yeah. Uh, but, I don't know. That's most of the main characters on Ellie's side of the story. Yeah. It's very laser-focused on Ellie. Mm-hmm. I think almost to the detriment of the story a little bit. Yeah. Danny gets more characterization though. Like, yeah, yeah. You even get that backstory. Like when you're in the, actually, I don't know if this is skippable or not. I don't remember. Uh, did you go into the, into the synagogue? Yeah. Okay. I think that's main path. Cool. Uh, I'm glad honestly, because like a lot of the stuff that she goes through in that sequence builds a lot of her like background as a character. Uh, at least like, sort of like her perspective and outlook on things, which I think is kind of important and sets up for her in the late game as being like a desire to be more domestic than Ellie. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's really good. But the game switches perspective uh, at a point. We're not going to hit all the narrative beats because there's a whole lot of shit going on here. Uh-huh. Uh, Ellie kills a bunch of people, and then Abby shows up at the theater that they're chilling out in, murders Jesse, thinks that she kills Tommy, and then the game just, like, backs up three days, Mm -hmm. uh, and you start, you, you start, uh, playing as Abby. This is another thing that, like, spurred some amount of controversy, (laughs) Uh-huh. Uh, where people didn't know and didn't like that uh, you change characters midway through the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my favorite games is Metal Gear Solid 2, which was <laughs> essentially just like a giant ploy to get people to think that you were playing a Solid Snake and then swap it out uh, for Raiden halfway through. And by halfway through, I mean like in the first one hour. Mm-hmm. What? How did you feel? Because obviously uh- I thought this was a great decision yeah and i the second half of the game is the best part of the game Accurate. Uh, <laughs> uh, i think they really weirdly buried the lead on that in that you have to get through like 12 hours of gameplay to get to this um but no it, it I, I like this a lot i i almost kind of wish in retrospect that like the whole game would have just been like abby and lev right like just two new characters <laughs> Um, but that's just a personal preference, I guess. Is it like in the first game, I think they were challenging you by giving you like a horrible, monstrous person as like your main character and seeing like if you'll empathize with them anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing a similar, like more complex thing here where they're having you play through the first half of the game as a character, you know, and then having you play through the second half of it as like your perceived villain and seeing if they can get you to empathize with her so that when the stories come back together, like just to see how that makes, like how that hits the viewer. Yeah. Like in it's, 
I think done to like tremendous effects because like there are <laughs> conflicting emotions all over the place. Because like at the one point you're like, oh fuck, like Ellie's the boss fight. That's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. But like I don't want to kill Ellie, but I also don't want her to kill Abby either. You know, it's like so I think they played that really well, and it's super interesting because yeah. like I, they really actually get you to care about Abby too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the conflicting emotions thing is something that I really want to hone in on because I feel like I I mean I was played like a fiddle by the game I'm sure, uh, <laughs> but the way that the way that I perceived it was like you don't feel like Abby has redeeming qualities when you begin playing as her because you've just seen her beat a guy's head in with a golf club and it doesn't generally speaking stable and cool people do not do that (laughs) uh so you have this like preconceived notion of who abby is and like what the wlf are and whatever your preconceived notions about them are right but that's (laughs) kind of not relevant uh so you are playing as abby in what you feel like is going to be a 20 minute interstitial before you go back to playing as Ellie and continue the game from her perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it goes on and on and on and on and on. And you have to, at some point, engage with that story. And I think they do a really good job of pacing that out because the first parts of Abby's story are pretty low-key plot-wise. Mm-hmm. You're introduced to a couple of characters who you don't know already, so you don't have like a pre- existing idea of who they are mm-hmm. i mean a couple of them you would have seen but probably didn't recognize or notice uh and then you kill some zombies and then you find a suspicious number of supplements and parts machine parts for your guns and you start to get this inkling like we might be in this one for the long haul as soon as seattle day one came up playing as abby so immediately mm. I was like, well, we're doing all three days from Abby's perspective. <laughs> so well, it didn't, it didn't quite get me in the same way. Is the flashback of her as a kid. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And then you go into that. And once once you start going into the sequences with Abby playing as her as an adult in Seattle on day one, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. and you realize that you're going through the whole thing, then you're forced to sort of connect with the story in a way that you may have been more dismissive of otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I think that is... Like, I felt like Abby seemed like a bad person and then grew to like her more as the game went on, which is exactly what they want you to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it worked really well. Yeah, and I think they do a really good job um, with the pacing of her half. Like, actually, it's interesting to see the conflict from the other perspective and, like, the fact that they have, like, this whole town set up inside a football stadium. Mm-hmm. Super cool. There's, a, like, a, like the coming out of the skybox where her room is <laughs> and going down, like, to the field and into, like, the tunnel um, where, like, the locker rooms are and stuff. Like, it's super cool set piece and it's just, like, a low-key like narrative thing mm-hmm. uh and i just feel like they set that up really well and like they rat they think you know they bring the tension down and it's a lot of her day to day and i don't know like that that really drew me in it it felt more the second half felt paced more similarly similarly to the first game 
which I think works better than how the first half of the game was structured. Yeah. Because uh, the, the first half, all things considered, after the the like introductory stuff before you get to Seattle is kind of a mess as far as like what you're actually doing goes. Uh, it really is just like you just strike out every single day and you do like a, a video game thing and then mm-hmm. you come back and it plays the narrative thing. Abby's does feel more like you're living in that world. Uh, and as such, like the world seems more believable. Uh, I do want to talk about uh, at least one other thing before we go. Uh, I, I had a, a straggling thought oh, to sure. also talk about. If you want to go first with your thing. Oh, something like separate. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah, yeah. So one thing that I, I noticed and like has been a thing in this game, like from the beginning, is the game immediately sort of like splits up its characters into factions. And you have a protagonist in each faction, at least. You have the Jackson Five now. The <laughs> God, there's there were one character. Sh- I guess if you count mm-hmm. Joel, you have Joel, Jesse, Ellie, Dina, and Tommy, the Jackson mm-hmm. Five. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and trademark, trademark, Michael Jackson and his family. Uh, <laughs> uh, then you have the WLF, uh, the Washington Liberation Liberation Front. Front? Okay, I think. Uh, or the wolves, as they're commonly referred to for the rest of the game, mm-hmm. without any reference to the prior <laughs> name ever. Yeah. Uh, and then you have the Scars or the Seraphites. Yeah. And so you have Ellie, you have Lev, and you have Abby as your, like, protags from the each group. Hashtag protag. <laughs> Hashtag protag. Uh, every single faction is made of assholes oh yeah that's the point yeah but it's like (laughs) i feel like there's this idea that's forwarded with abby and lev where it's like oh they kill all of our friends it's like well your friends are militant douchebags it's like oh uh the seraphites are just trying to find peace yeah well they shoot everybody (laughs) and children and (laughs) they're I don't know what word to use, but they're more like animalistic in their violence. The like the seraphites, yeah, because yeah, yeah. they they like don't put heads on pikes, but essentially they do that where they just like leave dead bodies hanging on street signs and stuff. Yeah, they string by. That's as close literally to putting a head on a yeah. pike as you can. Yeah, get. Or, yeah, they're the most like extreme, or I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, but yeah. like there's a there's a way something about the way they do it that feels more sinister mm-hmm. i guess yeah it's almost weird because like the trope of them existing in media would probably well it would probably be extremely racist mm-hmm. but I, <laughs> I have this like image of like 70s exploitation films like cannibal tribes yeah like in the fucking like islands that nobody's ever been to before it evokes that yeah yeah but they're like speaking english and using like Mm -hmm. (laughs) ak-47s you're like oh okay well this is a little bit different uh but yeah no i agree i I see that sort of like they're the more savage and brutal of the bunch yeah uh and they i don't know what they're trying to evoke with them like it's 
it felt like a world building thing to me. Like one of my favorite details is the like the leader of the religious cult. I can't remember what her name is. It's Sarah. Oh, well, uh, okay. <laughs> Completely forgot about that of the Sarah fights. Yes. She but, has a uh, last name as well that I don't remember, so like It's not fights. You're good. It's not <laughs> Sarah fights. Sarah fights. <laughs> but um <laughs> Uh she's painted everywhere and there are little these figurines of her, but she's dead mm. in the in the world of the game already. Because like well like the first time like she's brought up, I'm like, This is a force I'm gonna have to oppose. Like Sarah's gonna be a boss right, later. Yeah. But then they establish that she's dead and I I don't it just made for and like and her influence is so far reaching that you keep seeing her and it just added this like cool tone to all of that stuff and like i thought that enhanced like the exploration of seattle for me yeah well honestly i think that she be, well, okay actually let's back up they are the more interesting antagonist i think and that's why they put them opposed to both mm-hmm. of the characters yeah, you but play as i i agree but it, it feels like they just kind of added them in there as like this extra layer just like seasoning like, yeah it yeah. just kick it up a notch bam yeah uh narratively speaking i gotta say that her being dead i'm gonna be very honest if that was mentioned i don't think i caught it oh yeah the, the, there was a point i don't remember if it might have been optional dialogue or something but they mention the fact that she was killed at some point, like that she's dead. Huh. That actually, that makes a lot of what they do make a lot more sense, like the prayer cards and stuff and the shrines. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where, like, being dead is probably the best thing that ever happened to her if her goal is to, like, spread <laughs> this religion. Yeah. Uh, it's it, like she's martyred or whatever. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's very cool. That was really my main thing, is I felt like the, in the world that they have set up there's like absolutely no cooperation and the majority of people are very nearly unredeemable uh as far as like the levels to which they they commit to violence at least like on a group level like on a individual society like the wolf society is just very violence based Mm -hmm. the wolf fights in the sand the wolf pack uh, Jackson is the only one that seems to have any like propensity for pe- for peace, but at the same time, Ellie is like the killer to end all killers as far yeah. as the game goes. I mean, Jackson's kind of like its own out of the way settlement, mm-hmm. and Seattle was like a war zone, yeah. so it makes more sense that there's people trying to grab power there. Mm-hmm. What was your uh, straggling? Uh, just while we're talking about the story, um, I don't want to let it slip by because this is one thing. Um, that it left me thinking about like kind of some plot threads that were hanging that didn't get pulled uh, by the story. Um, the fact that Ellie being gay, um, mm-hmm. I always kind of perceived as like being a tension in the fact that like she is immune, and if she doesn't like reproduce, that those genes die with her. Right. Uh, so I thought that was going to, like, play into the story, and it doesn't at all. Yeah, ever? Yeah, like, it's, like, there's never any, like, conflict of, like, should I take one for the team mm-hmm. and, you know, like, have a kid, uh, you know, for the future of mankind or whatever. They they don't explore that, and I expected to find it here. Thought that was a little weird. And 
related to that, um, she's still immune, <laughs> and never once is it ever like she regrets like what Joel did, and she wanted to die and have a death that was meaningful. But never once has it ever come up in this game, like the idea of still trying to develop a cure. <laughs> right. I, I think actually this game, just on that note, because I do want to get back into the other like, stuff. Yeah, like it doesn't even get mentioned. Like I get the sense that like she's decide she's chosen to live at this point. Yeah. But it it just it never addresses that. Well, I I think honestly. No, I, I don't think that she has chosen to mm. live. I think that she feels like she has no other option. She's made too many connections and that kind yeah, of Yeah, that's thing. what I mean, Yeah, I guess. I think, because th- the game does actually mention it, I think this game, uh, Abby's flashback chapter where she goes into the office and, and her dad is talking to Nora mm-hmm. about the, like, uh, about the procedure that they're going to do. And I, I think that the implication with that scene is once this is gone, mm-hmm. there just isn't anything. There's not another chance. Like, you cannot have nobody else. Like, we had the most qualified people still alive. Mm-hmm. Most of the remaining knowledge was here. Yeah, I think that's the implication, but, like, but it I don't, I don't buy so. that. Yeah, I yeah. feel like there's probably still some doctors out there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like... The and the fireflies, of... we find out, still exist at the end. Mm-hmm. Who so. probably would be looking for L.A. also. Yeah. If they still think that's a viable option. Uh, I guess we'll find out in Last of Us Part 3. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> Coming 2025. Yeah, whenever. I think it was, like, seven years between. Yeah. Um, but anyway, the other thing that you mentioned is also a good point, and I think that it, it sort of ties into another thing. Uh... In, I feel like Naughty Dog is playing it very safe with Ellie being gay mm-hmm. uh, in some ways. Like, understandably, it is the apocalypse, and a lot of the things that typically would be characteristic of like how society treats gay people currently would not apply in the post-apocalypse, it gets to have its one moment where somebody is a homophobe mm-hmm. and she gets upset about it and whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't even think that that is particularly... That's not brave, really. That's everything that has a gay person in it. Yeah. Like, and it's like an old man. Yeah, and it's an old man. Like, There's nothing... They played it safe. Yeah, yeah there's <laughs> absolutely nothing transgressive about what's going on. And I don't really think there's all that much that's progressive about Ellie's uh, story either. Now, I do like that they they play... Like, the fact that she is gay feels very, like, incidental. Yeah. Like, I actually think that that is thumbs up. Yeah, I mean... That like, is they, don't, they don't highlight it ever. In like a ooh, look at this kind of way. Yeah, like it isn't treated as it's an as an other. Yeah, and so I thought that was good. Yeah, but and, they don't go any further than that, really. Right, and, and they and it is in some ways like it is like actually kind of a standout thing, but not in the world of the game. It's in the world of games. Mm-hmm. There are so few games that have gay characters or gay protagonists, especially uh, that this does stand out in that way. Um, 
I don't know what the opportunity is here. Like, I don't know what they could or should or maybe did do uh, to further that as, like, a, a way of normalizing it. But I don't know. I think they did a good job. I think they played it pretty safe. There isn't anything that's super out there uh, and cool. I do want to throw a little bit of shade on uh, <laughs> on people who... So I don't I don't look up shit about games. Uh-huh. And I knew in my mind from outside sources that there was controversy in this game. And among the we've already talked about the controversy of Joel dying mm-hmm. of you not playing as Ellie. And now the third one that I was told was that people thought that the game either was transphobic or was something was going on with a trans character, et cetera, et cetera, something game bad, uh-huh. thing, thing bad. And as I was introduced to Lev, the trans character in this game, uh-huh. I just kept thinking, like, shame on you guys for making for making this into enough of a news story that people told me in real life that there was an issue because this is also the safest imaginable thing they could have done i feel like if you weren't paying close attention you could just completely miss (laughs) the fact that he is transgender yeah it's like literally almost impossible that they could have taken a lighter touch yeah and like lamb is probably my favorite character he's great yeah yeah uh yeah, I, I I like love. I liked, and it's it's cool to have that perspective of a young person that was born post incident, mm-hmm. and I and I like that he called the infected demons. Yes, like also I thought that was, was cool. Call. Yeah, like I just I thought he added a lot to the game. Yeah, Lev and Yara, I think, are, were both good characters, and gave sort it gave the 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 Seraphite angle a like an actual like point of reference which gave them like it fleshed it out a little bit more mm-hmm. there's another faction that gets introduced later in the game called the rattlers and the game looking at the two in in contrast really drives home what makes the seraphites great and the rattlers just kind of a shitty antagonist uh-huh. uh but we'll get into that like at end of the game talk way later because we gotta wrap this conversation up yep uh I don't know. I, I just wanted to say, like, Lev is great, and, uh, like, and take this seriously when I say it, as a cis, straight, white man. Yes. I think that this is positive trans representation in the most benign, imaginable way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where it is just, this character is a trans character. The characters who dead name him, which was like the controversy, uh-huh. are literally trying to murder him because of this. Yeah. <laughs> like, it makes too much sense for it to be avoided. Uh, and then he's treated by with respect and with dignity by every other character in the game. <laughs> yeah, it's it almost feels kind of like queer baiting. A little bit, yeah. But not quite, but almost. Is same general. It's adjacent concept. to it. Yeah, it, it it just it is. People, a, should care less about what video games are doing, <laughs> and b, uh, 
not get mad at the mention well, of trans people yeah. as a concept. I feel like a large part of like why that stuff got like blown out of proportion the way it did mm-hmm. is just I feel like there were just people who wanted to hate this game before it even came out. Yeah. And I think that you know, it just dumped oil <laughs> or gas on the fire. Yeah, they got to try and pick apart everything that's in the game in order to yeah, make there it were, seem worse there than it was. There were buzzwords in there. There are gay characters and tra- a trans character, and mm. that's something that you can get up in arms about. Yeah. So. <laughs> uh, so now that we've tackled all of the controversies related to this game... Yeah, I was surprised to find that I... Well, I guess i surprised not surprised... Uh, that I disagreed with most of the criticisms that I read. Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost as if most of the criticisms were on things that were either unimportant or outwardly not true. <laughs> almost. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I guess there's a, there's a contingent of people who are upset that Joel died because they're just big Joel fans. Right. And, like... Uh, Joel's great. Like his char- like he's a good character. He, he had to die. Like yeah. if, and he if, has to die. <laughs> if you've if you've know anything about stories, it's like um spoilers for Harry Potter. Uh it's like how in Harry Potter Dumbledore had to die for because he was like as long as he was around, Harry was protected by him. Right. So he has to be out of the picture for Harry to like confront Voldemort. Right. And it's not like a direct comparison or anything, but like for Ellie to like go out on her own and do her own thing, Joel has to be out of the picture. Yeah, because they can't get through Joel's warding magic. Yeah, and he can't you know? also can't be redeemed for what he did. So like he's the only option for him narratively is it's death. death. <laughs> Uh, but I feel for the big Joel fans out there, not big Joel, the YouTube guy, Joel, <laughs> people who are big fans of Joel, I feel for you guys, but you're still not a controversy, just <laughs> something they didn't like about the story. Uh, let us break and we will return and talk about shooting the bang bang. Amen. Welcome back. Uh, after that lengthy and rambly first half, I hope you're ready for a lengthy and rambly second <laughs> half. Uh, my thoughts are, we're going to start, we're going to go over sort of like how the game plays and that shit, and the mechanical elements, and then we'll cap it off with sort of like the mechanical and narrative finale of the like epilogue and post-epilogue parts of the game. Makes sense. All right, cool. Uh, so let's talk about all the things that are different between The Last of Us 1 and The Last of Us 2. So in the post-epilogue sequence, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, so that's, that's kind of my thesis here. I think this game actually does a lot to improve on what The Last of Us 1 did, but they don't add enough to the game mechanically to make it feel substantially different. Yeah, given that I've only played the first one once, 
and it's been several years. Yeah. I it felt exactly the same to me. Like I I'm sure there are tweaks, but I had a hard time pinpointing what they might be. Yeah, like it it feels so similar. Yeah, the the things to me. Uh, first of all, there's a there's a fact about Eldritch Truths, <laughs> and that is that they are true for all of time. Uh, this game, like the first game. Uh, also uses the color yellow to signify shit See, all the time. It see, I felt a lot more toned down. I agree. This time, actually. like they used lighting a lot more, and they also used white. I think in addition to yellow, so it didn't it didn't like jump out at you as much. Yeah, they expanded the color palette slightly. Yeah. Uh, that is, I mean, that's true. And I'll give it credit for that because, like, it isn't as obvious as it was yeah. in the first yeah, game. Yeah, because I was looking for it for this exact reason, and it, it didn't stand out to me that there was, like, a bunch of yellow this time. Yeah. For those of you who have not listened to a 60-episode-old <laughs> episode about The Last of Us 1, the title of our first episode was The Eldritch Truth About Yellow, uh, though... Having re-listened to the episode, I now regret not calling it Truck Nuts as a personality. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> the uh, in, in the first game, Naughty Dog has been doing this for a long time uh, in the Uncharted series, in addition to in the original Last of Us, where they will use particular colors and they often and in this game they use it all the time will use like distant vantage points in order to guide you to places the disneyland principle yeah and it works well i think most of the time i I think this game actually because it is more subtle made it more frustrating Uh, see i i thought they nailed that for me maybe i'm dumb and unobservant, which, as we know, you is do, true. You do have a low passive perception. Yeah. <laughs> my uh, my wisdom score yeah. is quite low. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but there were many, many times in this game where I felt like I was just wandering around the same area looking uh. for the place to go. Uh, and it, I don't know. I mean, frustrating, maybe not quite so much there's there's one very specific part where i was actually frustrated which is the sequence where it's you and uh yara abby and yara Mm -hmm. and they're going to the boat and you go into this like little swamp area and there's like a little tiered spire of ground that you Mm. can climb up and there's a truck and then there's like a dead end and the way forward was so unclear that I was in that, like, three-foot-by-two-foot box of <laughs> shitty water for probably, like, ten actual minutes. Really? Trying to find where to go. Uh, see, for me, what happened with that is I got to, like, the end of the area where there's, like, a big, uh, like, sewage pipe thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's where you, like, that's the I went in you there. eventually go. I went in, No, it's not. Because, unless we're talking about different things, you go in there and there's like some items in there. Mm-hmm. And then I turned around and was like, oh, I thought that was the way to go. What do I do? And then Yara was like, hey, there's this hole in the wall over here. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so it was just like, oh, okay. Yeah, the whole annex that has the pipe and the hole in the wall, yeah. I just couldn't find. Uh, like, I didn't know the where the entrance to it was. Okay. Uh, which is me being unobservant to some extent, but also like... 
it, it was a recurring issue for me in the game that like there were just it would just be like everything is overgrown and good luck finding the place you can move uh and it's like if there's any kind of like bush or whatever they use that to block your path because they can't have the whole game be totally open because that's unreasonable mm -hmm. uh and what, what to me it led to a lot of visual confusion and mm. it, it was very odd but where they do use the color yellow and they do use the uh the vantage points to to navigate i felt that it tended to work pretty well mm -hmm. I, th I think it was generally pretty smooth with very few exceptions yeah, I fall kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum, where I think that's one of Naughty Dog's strong suits as a developer, I think, is they're really good at designing, like, level design and leading the player where they're supposed to go. <laughs> uh, so. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, let us know in the comments section if you <laughs> get stuck in a swamp yeah, for and, 10 minutes. Yeah, I just, I thought this one struck a really nice balance of, like, more subtle suggestion while still being like pretty clear on a subconscious level like it, it makes the world feel more real yeah to not have all of the obvious like uh uh like signposts yellow edges to things yeah uh so that's that is a good thing like for the presentation um <laughs> sorry i just saw one of my notes that was uh Stupid and definitely for later. <laughs> uh, I, I do also want to point out there's a lot of stuff that is the same that feels like I have no idea how it ended up getting ported over. Like imagining in your head a meeting or like even just one guy like Neil Druckmann sitting down writing out the design doc for the game, even though I'm sure that's not what he did. Uh, like someone played the first game uh -huh. and said we gotta put the generator tap triangle <laughs> thing back in this game i feel like the meeting that you're suggesting was two minutes long they went in and said if it ain't broke don't fix it and then they're like does anybody have any new ideas for things we can add a couple people wrote some stuff down on a slip of paper put it in a hat and they were like we're done uh and then they implemented those couple of changes and that was it yeah that's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah, it's it's so much stuff comes back. Like the man. So on a positive note, I think that this game works a lot better as a survival horror game than the first game did, because the first game was not a survival horror game. Like it was an action game, and they very carefully controlled sort of like how much stuff you had, mm -hmm. but they never made it so like. You were never in such dire straits that, like, you felt like you couldn't overcome uh, an obstacle. In this game, I feel like they did a lot better at making scarcity an actual issue, something that you had to pay attention to. Uh, they even made, like, in I found the Molotovs in this game to be more useful than they were in the first game. And because of that, like, and that could be through the introduction of, like, new enemies like dogs or... Uh, bigger hordes of zombies and shit like that that you have to deal with. And it made the choices that are present in the crafting system, like the one like golden good decision they made with the crafting system, more of like an element of it. Like it felt better because of that. Yeah, it did feel like more things used the same ingredients or whatever, yeah. uh, supplies. <laughs> and uh, the fact that they broke up 
the supply pickups into like portions of them as opposed to just being like this is a blade you get the full blade when now, you take it did out. they not have that in the first one i thought they didn't but uh, may i might be i feel wrong. like they did have that in the first one <laughs> if they did but then i take it back i might but, be wrong but uh either way like it does lend itself to this like more scarce feeling uh, mm-hmm. uh, resources thing. It doesn't solve my problem, and I feel like I shouldn't belabor the point because it was like ninety percent of the first podcast of walking around picking shit up is not fun, and uh, I felt I was very negative at the early start of this game because of the open world sequence in Seattle. If they had done that one other time, I would have been so mad. Well, I mean, it is half of the fucking game. <laughs> I mean the first uh, day where you're actually uh, going okay. and you have like the map and you can like go right. to different locations. I hated that. Uh, I already don't like horses in video games <laughs> and the horse was present for that whole part. I mean, you didn't have to use it. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> and then like opening safes was not engaging. It was like you would find the clue to the safe three feet away from where the safe was, and then you would put the combination of the safe, and the safe would have a bunch of dumb shit in it. Uh, at one point, you go through, you clear out a whole bank, <clears throat> and there's like a bunch of enemies in the bank, and it's kind of a tense combat encounter because they put you in a location where it's hard to hide at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you go and you clear the whole thing, and then you get into a bank vault. And then the bank vault has a shotgun, which you do get later in the game anyway. And so it's not even really that much of a reward. And the side story that's in there, like the on the notes, isn't interesting, which is a big issue that I have with this game. Most of the notes were not as impactful and not as interesting as the ones in the first game. And I don't know. It just sucks. It's boring. I don't know why. It, it feels like padding. And... It's a lot of stuff that just didn't need to exist, and they could have just sprinkled some shit around for you to pick up, and you wouldn't have to spend three hours opening fucking drawers. Uh, I mean, it didn't bother me as much, um, but I do agree. I don't think the supply gathering, crafting thing works at all with, like, the more open map. Um, Like... Once again, I feel like they're trying to force their design to work in a way it's not, it just doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, like it works well with the more linear, well-paced and designed levels. And yeah, like, cause yeah, like every building you go into, it just has like the same stuff in it. Like it, it furthers that, um, like hole punching, I, like that's so easy to do, um, with the game where it's like I'm going into all these different buildings and they all have the same shit in them. They all have bricks, they all have bottles, they all have rags, they all have alcohol, they all have like the exact same, like bullets. They all have the exact same things in them and it just starts to make the world feel less real, which yeah. is like the opposite of what they want. Yeah. The the fact that this is so it, it's the parts of this game that are incredibly gamified that don't succeed and the parts that aren't the parts that are a movie or the parts that are uh environmental Mm -hmm. do set pieces are i think the best parts yeah of these both the first and this one 
Yeah, and then uh, the and all of the stuff that's really video gamey is jarring. It takes you out of the experience, and mostly it's pretty unengaging. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you like. I played this. I played it on hard uh, because I complained about not playing on hard on the first one. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to repeat my same stupid mistakes, uh, and. I, I think that changes... It says in the menu that it changes the scarcity of shit in the game. Uh, and that's cool. Like, I'm I'm glad that it does that. I still wish that you didn't have to open as many drawers. Mm-hmm. I wish there was just stuff on the ground if they're going to this. I feel like this. that makes it worse. That it's because more scarce? It, yeah, you, yeah, you have to, like... You, you really feel like you need to open every drawer. True. It, it's more... It is better than having every like every combat encounter feel tensionless yeah so it's kind of worth the trade-off i don't know how i would recommend people play this um i mean obviously just do it feels right for you uh i'm typically the kind of person who plays every game on normal uh but in this particular instance like i didn't want to repeat the mistakes of the first one Mm -hmm. uh the scarcity and the fact that drawers are empty just makes you feel like you're wasting time and I feel like there were a lot of ways around it, and they just imported all the same shit from the first game. <laughs> it made it really hard to make improvements because of that. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's just. It's, I think I feel like it's a classic game design problem of like the re- like the reward is not adequate incentive, or and slash the actual, um, like exploration and hunting for the supplies isn't fun either yeah i I felt like the comparison i want to draw is one that you're not going to like but um is the like optional exploration in the wind waker all right where you find the little spots the glowy spots in the ocean and then you go over to it and you finally get the boat stopped in the right spot and you lower the anchor and you bring it up and it's just a purple rupee yep every time it, it, it felt kind of similar to that, where I just kind of wanted to give up. But the difference is you can just give up on that in The Wind Waker, and mm-hmm. you can't in this. No, I, and I'm a big fan of The Wind Waker, and part of what I like about The Wind Waker is that exploration, the finding unknown things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and They become known pretty fast, though. Yeah, and I, I, but I agree with you. Like, I think that the they did a bad job with it. The, it was a great concept that was poorly executed. Mm-hmm. This is a bad concept that was badly executed. Like, <laughs> I don't think it's a bad concept. I just think it's badly executed. <laughs> I mean, if the concept was less focused on making consumable items, yeah, then I think yes. But if, but the fact that it is just make a bomb, make a health pack. Like, it, it's not as interesting realistically because you can't... I, okay, credit where it is due. You can make arrows and bullets in this game, and that is great. That is a good decision. Mm-hmm. I, I, that actually feels like a tangible reward for exploration. Uh, and while I still resented having to pick all the stuff up, uh-huh. I definitely felt more excitement about finding materials that were for ammunition than I did ever in the first game. Um, and that is further emphasized. I want to know what your thoughts are on this. The supplements and gun upgrades felt <laughs> pretty meaningless in 
in this game. A a lot of the stuff, especially in the way that the, like, trees are laid out, felt like you're spending a lot to get to something that you want. And a lot of the stuff that you're getting on the way is stuff that you'll never, ever use or give a shit about. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I think I would agree with that. Uh, I really liked that Abby had, a, like, a melee combat tree. I agree. As as we all know on the No Clip podcast, I'm a big fan of optional melee, the <laughs> optional melee combat in uh, these games. Um, Just as an option, it's not like it's great on its own or anything, but uh, I like that it's there. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, no, I would agree. Like, a lot of the, the lower-cost ones don't feel that substantial and like yeah there are a handful that you want to get to and they're like way far down on the tree yeah or they're the first one and then you never come back to the tree again and then you go hours without checking yeah (laughs) uh yeah i don't know It, it hit a weird balance for me like i felt more uh like okay so playing as abby uh which is the better part of the game yeah i actually i think before you say what you're gonna say I think it would be better if it was just more streamlined, if there were less things you could make. Because there were certain things, as you were saying, like making ammunition felt good. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I suck at these games. Uh, I played it on normal. And so like getting the rags and the alcohol was always like, oh, thank God I can make more health packs now. Right. Uh, That always felt good. And then in the second half... Uh, Abby does not have a knife, so you have to make shivs, mm-hmm. and like that also felt like really like oh I gotta get the fucking it's the blades yeah like you're you always low on blades because they're yeah. also used for the hunting pistol yeah, ammo. So I think if you cut out the extra stuff, mm-hmm. it would sit a lot better. Yeah, the and yeah that's whether or not you actually suck at the game. I will say that I was also starving for health packs a lot yeah, of I the mean, time on on my difficulty as well. But. Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember you saying how easy the game was on the first episode, <laughs> and I also had a rough time with the first one, so. I think this game was harder, uh, generally speaking, outside of everything else. Like, I think just generally they increased the difficulty of encounters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that was overall a good decision, especially if you're going for horror. Uh, this game uses darkness a lot better than the first one did. Uh, it really feels like a scramble when you can't see your surroundings. Uh, it only really bit them once. Uh, there's a there's a boss fight in the second half where you have to fight this like big amalgam of monsters. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I really thought that you had to run away from it in the first, like, two times that I died, mm-hmm. but then realized that you do actually have to shoot it to death, uh, which is unfortunate, because it really wasn't that interesting once you did do that. No, they tried. <laughs> they have the part of, like, the the uh, the infected that splits off, that he splits off of him is, like, another wrinkle you have to deal with, mm-hmm. but it's pretty easy to just run away from him and just blast the big one until it dies. I actually did not... Like, that whole boss fight just consisted of me running between two different spots, mm-hmm. posting up, and just blasting the fat one <laughs> as it came by, 
and then running back to the other spot and having to juke the small one on the way. Right. Rinse and repeat. I never saw the small one. Uh, he kept, he would show up like when I, when you, that's what it felt like they coded it to do. Yeah. It's basically like if you're just running away, it would like intercept you. Right. And like, yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> But and that happened to me like pretty much every time I ran around. So, so did you not kill the small one in the boss fight? No, yeah, I I killed the big fat thing, and then it triggered this cutscene where, where it, it like, runs away right and shit. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I wanted to make sure that that was because I don't know if you shoot at that in the boss fight and it dies. You don't do that part. Because that would actually be yeah. kind of cool. Knowing, knowing Naughty Dog, that probably is a thing. Like, mm-hmm. if you, you kill it first, something different happens. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think that there was, like... That just felt like a, a thing this game was not designed for mechanically. No. Yeah, and I would compare that to the the open city at the beginning. Where mm-hmm. it's like, I feel like they are really stubborn about because like they've gotten a lot of like on one hand they're held up as like this great developer and on the other hand they're heavily criticized it's like we talked about this on the god of war episode like there's something about their like the way they design games is easy to criticize even though it's also really good right (laughs) uh it's hard to explain but um and they keep stubbornly trying like not to change their design at the core but just forcing it to fit with other things through and like they try really hard and like they design these things really well and they really try but they never quite work yeah when they really go for stuff like this or like we're gonna do a boss fight and they really tried to make it interesting and they put you can tell they put a lot of thought into it and it just doesn't work yeah it's it's weird and the fact that like the boss kills you in one hit if you get to get if it gets to you yeah that was really, dumb yeah it really changes the like flow of the battle mm-hmm. because there's no flow anymore like you can't it's not like a back and forth it's just a sprint and a shooty mcgun fight and it's like uh, it doesn't like do it for me you know? mm-hmm. um god how did we get to that uh i don't know Oh, the fact that the game uses darkness well. Ah. Uh, other than in that situation, it does. Um, and I think the flashlight, they brought back the fucking shake the controller yeah, trick. I somehow like completely forgot that that was a thing in the first one. But in both games, it only happens to you maybe like... A couple times, yeah. yeah. Uh, but like the flashlight itself is a cool uh, inclusion. I like that the infected can't see it, but humans can. I kind of don't like that. I mean, like, it makes enough sense, but, like, the game, like, kept popping it up for me because I just wouldn't be using it. Right. Especially early on, because it feels like the runners should be able to see it. Yeah, because they're they, not blind. Yeah, but they can't. It's a little odd. It's weird. Yeah. But, no, I mean, like, design-wise, it it is a cool distinction. Yeah. It, it, it gives some like dynamic qualities to the different kinds of encounters. Uh, and this game uses like people and infected in at least three encounters in the game, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is more than it ever did in the first yeah, one. I don't know if they ever cross pollinated in the first one. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, there were, 
one of the ones that's more memorable is you show up and there's like a SWAT team or something that feels like a SWAT team. Um, and then the, you know, like it, the encounter starts and like you're moving around and trying to stealth kill a guy or whatever. And then just a bunch of infected just burst in and kill them all. And like you can use them as distractions. Right. And like I thought that was really cool. Like, uh, <laughs> I wish they would do that kind of stuff more. Yeah. Yeah, if there's more of a... uh... At the end, I know we're saving the epilogue chapter for later, but there's this camp where they have some of them chained up, and I never did this, but you can unchain them and let them run loose. Right. Um, So, uh, yeah, like more stuff like that I think would have been cool, but they don't really do that. Yeah, a lot. The thing with that one, which I will, we can talk about because it doesn't really matter. Uh, you can apparently shoot the chains and they'll like ah. come off. So if you have like a silenced weapon, which you will at that point in the game, uh, or the bow, you can take out the chains and have them go. I didn't know you could do that, so I would try and sneak up and like do mm. it manually because it's a button prompt. And I just left them alone and then just killed them at the end and then walked right. up to it and realized that I could unchain it. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Neat. Uh, the first one, like the runner that's chained up, I did do it and it was cool. It caused a distraction, allowed me to get past some people and then I could go around behind them and shit. Mm-hmm. The clickers are in such an inconvenient spot if you don't know you oh, can in shoot the, them. In the pool. Yeah. That like... It was just like I had no idea how I was supposed to even use them, so I just gave up on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that was another thing that could have been used. I mean, it's very Day of the Dead, but it's also <laughs> kind of like neat. Like it's a cool concept that I could that they could have yeah. used more. Uh, so, speaking on the combat system specifically, I think there are some improvements. I also think that there are some decisions that were made uh that really push it in a slightly different direction than the first game had uh and the first thing i want to talk about which is kind of tertiary to that is enemy selection uh you have your runners clickers and bloaters which were all things in the first game Mm -hmm. and they've added to this the shitty ones that are acid I forget what they call them. Oh, sh- shamblers? Shamblers. And then they added stalkers. Stalkers were in the first game. Stalkers were in the first game? Mm-hmm. Were they as bad as they are in this game? They, I feel like they only used them, like, twice. Mm. Or, yeah, like, they weren't as visually distinct. But, yeah. They just kind of, they kind of mostly just looked like clickers in yeah. the first one. They're just clickers that move faster. Yeah, but they could uh, see you. Yeah, the so stalkers are terrible, and here's why I hate stalkers. Uh, the mechanical difference between a stalker and a, a garden variety runner, the regular ass guy, uh-huh. uh, is that you can't really you don't melee combo them. You can really only <laughs> hit them like once or twice, uh-huh. and then they like hit you back instead. 
you can't stealth kill them because they're just aware of your presence at all times. Mm-hmm. They're like a panic enemy. Yeah. They're like the, oh shit, pull out your shotgun and blast them when they're right in front of you. The only way of dealing with them, for the most part, like melee weapons don't even really work, is to shoot them with guns. Yeah, well, I th- the melee weapons I thought worked well on them. Like okay. if you had like a big pipe, like you can't knife them to death. Right, yeah. I guess maybe that's because the the really egregious situation. My problem with them predominantly is that they don't put them in with other enemies in an effort to like make you alert them to your presence by forcing you to shoot. Mm-hmm. What they do is they put them in large numbers in individual encounters with only them, mm-hmm. and it fucking blows because it just makes you. And I understand the need to get the player to use resources, and this does force you to use resources, but mm-hmm. it does it in the worst way where it's like once you're aware that they're there you just start taking damage because they always just spawn behind you Mm -hmm. and like the optimal strategy is to stand in a corner and just shoot them as they come in and then run to another corner and then do it again until they're all gone yeah i feel like they just wanted it to be like a frantic like i'm being attacked from all sides and don't know how like a weird weirdly another comparison to the wind waker they almost kind of remind me of like the mini bacoblins that will always spawn right. off screen except they die to well yeah regular they're, shit. they're not at all the same thing it just made me think of that right <laughs> um well, we're yeah, on the topic of the wind waker. yeah but um yeah i don't know I felt like the audio cues were good enough that they never gave me that much trouble, but no, I mean, I would agree. I don't really think they quite are worth it Yeah, to include. Uh, I agree with that, uh, obviously, but I, I don't know. I, I don't think that they're, they don't add much. Yeah, they don't really add anything. Yeah, the Shamblers are a different story. I think they're generally good. I don't think you can stealth kill those either. I've never tried. Yeah, but they they serve a re- they serve a, a purpose that the other enemies don't, in that they are like area denial. So your reward they're really easy to kill from range, and so your reward for successfully sneaking and stealth killing an entire room is being able to kill it without being molested Mm -hmm. and the otherwise they become like a whole thing and then the the ship pops off as they want it to Mm -hmm. and so i thought they were great uh but i still think generally speaking the the zombie encounters honestly i don't think there were enough of them yeah yeah i'm usually pretty critical of lack of enemy variety Mm. um and i i felt that way about the first one and i feel that way about this one even though they've added some new stuff like i mean come on get creative Mm -hmm. like especially with like you've established that it's a fungal plague that's created these like you could go for some fucking weird interesting designs like I feel like the design space is way bigger than they're exploring. Yeah. Well, if you look at, like... I don't know if you noticed this. There's an extras menu. Uh, I uh, didn't look at it. There's a, One of the things that they've added is a model viewer, mm-hmm. which, in my opinion, is kind of a lazy extra, but whatever, it's cool. Uh, you get points for completing the game and also for finding collectibles, and you can use that to unlock the models and just 
look at shit. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the uh, the zombie enemies, like the the infected. Obviously, where the effort is going is making the design as intricate and grotesque as humanly possible, mm-hmm. and they do a great job of it. Yeah, and they try to make it like believable. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like everything is just human enough and also just alien enough mm-hmm. that they read well on screen, and also have like that body horror grotesquerie to them that is like unsettling and and it's like a progression as well Mm -hmm. like that was the big missed opportunity i think was the big boss in the uh in the basement of the hospital Mm -hmm. was just a bloater a bloat maybe bloater possibly those are the big ones yeah glued to another one like it wasn't like there was... It, it wasn't a new thing. It was, it was just, just a bunch of things. them put together. Yeah. It feels like that like was set up as if it was going to be a new like behemoth yeah, I mean, Hulk version. I feel like it was like it was in the hospital like I felt like it was implied that it was just like an experiment of some like mad doctor or some shit <laughs> that like mutated and festered and shit. My read on it was slightly different in that I think it was just people left there for so long mm-hmm. that that is just what it what happened because yeah. that's sort of like the implication is that runners are newly infected clickers a little bit more so etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. uh and so I don't know I felt like it could they could have gone to hysterically large heights with that one and just chose not to mm-hmm. uh I don't know it just didn't feel like new enough for me I would agree. Uh, one thing uh, that's not related to the combat: um, the first game had puzzles, <laughs> yeah, air quotes, um, famously like trying to get Ellie across the water. Um, it this game had some puzzles in the first half um, that were like light, but th- they I really liked the puzzle design. Um, it landed in a really nice spot for me where like. It, it almost got me to that spot where I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do? But then, like, I had that epiphany. I'm like, oh, this. Like, I'm supposed to throw the cable over the fence. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt really organic. And it just, like, I don't know. I just, like, and then they just drop it. And there aren't <laughs> any more puzzles. It's, like, the first third-ish of the game, maybe not even that far, has some, like, light puzzle elements like that. And I really enjoyed those. Yeah. And then they just kind of stop doing them yeah i i agree and also think that the uh like hold carrying and throwing rope mechanic is arguably my favorite thing they added (laughs) to the game uh there's something very cool about it and i could see like an implementation of this in as like a whole game mechanic yeah it's something i don't know if it's borrowed from uncharted like i didn't play uncharted 4 but if it originated from this game there's no way they're not using that in uncharted yeah like the the there's a sequence where you're like in a uh, an apartment building and you like bust out a window and throw the rope over uh like a, a balcony and you have to like shoot the glass out of the balcony in order to get the rope over it mm-hmm. and then you can swing onto this other balcony and when that happened and i just sort of like i was like can it can I do this? This doesn't feel like the intended way. Yeah. But it is. Like, I was impressed. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. they, they have these, like, 
they've managed to design some puzzles that like feel organic to the world and they take you just long enough to realize what you're supposed to do like i don't i just thought that was really well designed and wish they would have done more yeah with it i I think they padded out a lot of the stuff that the puzzles did in the first game Mm -hmm. with these like platforming segments yeah um, in in this one and i don't think that they really work as well there some some of it is cool i liked the movement mechanics they felt pretty fluid uh the animations were usually good uh with some exception uh and i don't know it, it never was frustrating and it was never bad so to speak mm-hmm. but like a lot of it felt kind of rote and didn't really add a whole lot so I agree. I think that the the puzzling could have been implemented more often and then toned down the platforming parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the platforming feels kind of at home in the environment that they set up. I don't know where where I exactly fall on it, but it's definitely somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. I mean, I liked it, personally. Yeah. I, I feel like a version of this that doesn't have that would be way less enjoyable for me. <laughs> That's fair. Well, I mean, I don't think it should go like full God of War, no jump button. Right. Because uh, that's terrible. And I, 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 in fact, love how pitiful your jump is. I mean, it's a great jump if you're a human person. Uh-huh. But if you're a video game protagonist, that jump is is laughable. Uh, and I like that because it makes everything feel more weighty and mm-hmm. it gives a, a sense of realism to it. Um. Yeah, it's a game where jumping between two tall things actually seems like it endangers the character. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like it would in real life. (laughs) I will say you can take some pretty far falls. Yeah, but like every, like a lot of jumps you'll make and you'll like, you know, like hit the ledge, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like only your torso gets up on there and they have to like, and pull themselves up, you know, and you're like, oh man. Felt that. Yep. <laughs> a few more years of doing this. I'm not going to be doing any more adventuring. Yeah, it's, it is, it feels like heavy. Yeah. When you're, when you're making jumps like that. Um, God, I don't know exactly where I want to go. Uh, cause I do want to talk about the combat itself, which I think is mostly improved from the first game. Uh, I want to throw this out here just to get it out of the way in that they introduced the, these bosses that are like melee bosses where you don't have access oh, to they your have, guns. Like the big railroad pike. Yeah. And you just have to like dodge and counterattack and they felt like utter shit. And then they made it the final boss and it was like literally the worst thing they could have ever done. This is where it pays off to be me. Where I used the melee combat a decent amount, so those weren't hard. Well, it's not that it was hard. It's that it felt shitty. Yeah. It I, it felt The dodge felt mushy, and like you were basically invincible for the majority of the animation. Mm-hmm. So it was really just kind of like mashing the, I think, the square button to dodge. And, and L1 to or, dodge. Oh, L1 dodge square is the one that attacks. Uh, you mash the L1 button to get out of the way and the animation's kind of unclean so you don't know when you initiate the dodge and so you, you hit it a couple of times yeah, see, just to make sure i found that mashing didn't work for me so i had to time it 
I, I didn't feel like there was any timing at all. It was just guessing how many uh, attacks they were going to throw. It was like you couldn't hit it too far in advance. Like you had to wait for like when you see the attack coming at you. There's no anticipation. Like when you feel like there's going to be. You just hit it when you see the attack coming, and then you dodge. That's fair, I guess. Uh, I do. I want to ask other people about this because I haven't talked about this to anybody until this very moment. Uh-huh. But I could not imagine anyone ever <laughs> thinking that these were a good idea or that they added anything. And to hear you be like, "Yeah, it was fine. You just did it." Mm-hmm. That's shocking to me. <laughs> oh yeah, like the idea that. The, yeah, I used, mm. like, the melee stuff in combat enough that, like, I don't know. It was just, like... Yeah. Yeah, like, I agree, The like, the melee system in place feels, like, shallower than it should be with as much, like, emphasis that's put on it. But, like, to me, it was just, like, yeah, it's just fine. <laughs> it felt like the guns in... Uh, Xeno Clash, where they felt like they were underdeveloped, mm. and that they just force you to use it sometimes. Yeah, that's not a bad comparison. Uh, it is a bad comparison because nobody has <laughs> no played one's played Xeno that. Clash. Uh, but that's yeah. I don't know. But yeah. So actual combat stuff etc i think we've covered everything that's in my notes which is why i was just double checking Uh one of the things that like literally the notes that we have not talked about are uh the placement of workbenches i think is weird (laughs) because it's like you're never coming back to them so why do they put them in Uh. such like these like central they're oh it's a central location that once you like drop off this ledge is totally inaccessible to you for the rest of the game yeah uh, and I really relate to Lev. I too love sharks, but hate the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so moving on to the actual like combat system, where it's just more of a stealth system than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did this work for you as somebody who doesn't uh, play a lot of like shooters? Uh, I tried to go as much stealth as possible um so much so that it was to my own detriment early on uh because it made it awkward to like switch between things when i hadn't been doing it very much i'm like uh what's the button for this and like ah i get killed um so that's where like a lot of my difficulty came like from with this game and the first one came from was just like i found the system kind of awkward to adjust to Mm mm-hmm but, like, as it goes on, like, I did fall into that, like, classic rhythm that everyone talks about when they talk about this game, where you go in trying to do stealth, something goes wrong, and then it's kind of like a scramble um, to, to you know, wrap everything up. And, you know, like, just as enjoyable as it was in the first one for me. Um, and I'd like that... Um, did, did was the melee option in the first one like just punching yeah guy? like just punching dudes yeah okay i couldn't remember because like i i found myself liking that, that that option was there um i really like the melee weapons it's really satisfying to be able to just like run like run up on someone and just smash their head with a axe or whatever <laughs> yeah uh 
yeah, they, I just, there's just enough variety in the stuff you can do and the approaches that you can take that it always feels good and dynamic, I think. Yeah. I, I, I do want to praise how, like, how many options you're given. Like, it does feel more like a choice mm-hmm. than it did in the first game, where a lot of the times it was like, this is obviously the intended way to go about this. Uh I will note that I use the bricks and bottles a lot less in this game than mm-hmm. I did in the first one. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I I might just be misremembering, but I feel like I used those in the first one. And in this one, I'm just like, this seems kind of pointless. <laughs> you have like, so many other things. Yeah, like in, the, in this one, I was like... Like, if I'm in a position where I feel like I can throw this brick or bottle and it would be a good idea, I can probably just sneak up on that guy. Right. The, the times when the bricks and bottles become useful, if you are more like me and lean into the scramble as opposed to the... Out of it. Yeah. Uh, is being able to, like, quickly grab one and hit someone who's chasing you because it allows you to kill them instantly. Mm-hmm. And Avi has a very cool mechanic that I feel like I neglected for a long time and didn't unlock. Uh, that is the, the momentum where if you get a strike... You get another one for yeah. free. Yeah, I use that all the fucking time. It's so it's a genius inclusion and makes the bottles and bricks a lot more useful because they can initiate a strike when you otherwise wouldn't be able to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, very, I think it was I think it's good that I use those less because I felt like I've relied on them in the first game, and now they were, like, another option. And the game has fewer silent options early and then you get the silencer which is very limited and the bow later which the bow is even harder to maintain ammunition for oh, yeah. than it was in the first game uh so a lot of good improvements on on the actual like stealth mechanics it, it made it a lot while still not as fleshed out as like a dedicated stealth game it felt a lot more engaging Mm -hmm. still can't believe they didn't haven't put in the option to drag guards yeah it seems weird it just it feels like the first like instinct that i have when i like i i like go to like stealth kill a guy Mm -hmm. is to grab him behind the neck and then drag his body like behind cover before i kill him yep but you can't do that no well, I mean, you can... So, I did this multiple times because I am a Metal Solid player, somebody who has played mm-hmm. all those games. You can move the bodies afterwards? Well, you want to, you can't move the bodies in this game. No. In Metal Gear, you can. But what I would do is I would grab someone and try and drag them out of sight before I did the stealth right. kill. And you move so slow. Even with the upgraded movement, you move slowly when you're doing this. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, it will get you seen the opposite of what your best intentions were. Yep. And, yeah, I, I feel like there's a... They should have allowed you to move bodies after they were dead if they weren't going to, like... It makes sense people would resist you mm-hmm. dragging them around. But it, I feel like they should have made you able to move them afterwards so that you could actually set up a real stealth approach as opposed to just being like, well, I killed the first guy. Now I have to kill everyone else before someone finds him Mm -hmm. and alerts people that there's an issue. Uh, But yeah, I agree with you 100%. Uh, That's like the smallest improvement that I think would have taken this game up like a a good step. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, they also added dogs. Yeah. Uh, which, uh, mm, I want to talk about the dogs from a stealth perspective, and I also want to talk about it on a the violence in this game is insane perspective. Yeah. See, for me, it was weird. Like the the introduction of the dogs as a mechanic felt like the only time the scent thing ever happened. <laughs> yeah. Like every other time there were dogs, they never were like picked up on my scent or were like that big of an issue. Well, the trick with dogs, uh, I think this is true in real life as well, is that if they are burning in a hole in the ground, they can't smell you. And dogs, to me, in games, dogs are always really hard. It's it's hard to do them right. It's hard to play with them when they are done right. And in this game, I was just like, uh, uh-uh, uh, not dealing with it. Uh, I don't like the. I don't like they can smell me. Uh, I don't like killing the dogs with melee attacks because it makes me very sad. So I just started every time a dog was introduced, I would just throw a Molotov at it. <laughs> and I was like, nope. <laughs> I throw a Molotov. I go hide somewhere else. And then I continue with the dogs dealt with. Uh, they were they were pretty good at changing your behavior. Mm-hmm. But I agree that the... Like, it didn't indicate that they were, like, on your trail unless they'd actually been somewhere that you had been. Yeah, and that, like, never happened. Exactly, yeah. It, it just felt like kind of a missed opportunity. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of, because I've also heard people complain about having to kill the dogs. Um, it made me think about the, um, well, God, what was it called? The the documentary that we watched, um, like, Don't Fuck With Cats or something like that. Yeah, Is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah, the Netflix documentary. Yeah, it just, it, it, it's weird to me how people will make a big deal about having to kill a dog, but then don't care one bit about killing people. <laughs> Just, I mean, like, I get it, because, like, the dog is a dog, and it doesn't know what's happening. Right. So there's like, innocence and all that. But, like, it feels like the gulf is so huge. <laughs> it's like, a... it feels like there's a problem there. <laughs> you know, you made this exact point while we were watching that documentary series. Yeah. And I d- it didn't cross my mind even once. It would if it was cats, because I don't particularly like cats. But I love dogs, and so this whole game, I was like, don't want to kill the dogs. They they yelp sadly when you, when you strike them. <laughs> yeah, I felt just as bad about killing them as I did about killing all the people personally. But I, I want to ask about that. Actually, that was a point that I had sort of stored up that I wasn't sure how to address. They added this thing in this game where when you kill a person and another person finds them, they will just yell that person's name. Uh, oh, they got Justin. Mm-hmm. Ah, shit, not fucking Greg. He was a good dude. Yeah. See, everyone and their mother brings this up when talking about the game. I feel like it never happened for me. <laughs> like, I feel like every time a guard found a body, they were just like, oh, someone's here. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like the number of times a guard used another guard's name was like three in my playthrough. <laughs> Okay. And, like, I know there's more elaborate things. Like, like, all the NPCs have names, 
and some of them have relationships with each other. So it's like you can kill a dude, and then a, a female guard will find him, and it'll be her husband, right. and she'll like it'll be like a unique thing. And it's just like that sounds really cool, <laughs> uh, but it didn't. It, it just like just didn't happen for me for some reason. Interesting. Uh, the part that I this is proving your previous point further. Uh, the one that I remember specifically is when I I shot a dog with an arrow, mm. and the person was like alerted a whole building by being like my dog spot is dead uh, now i think i almost never killed dogs from range mm. i think i always killed the owner and the dog together <laughs> i mean that's the way to go really uh, like by beating their heads in with like a pipe <laughs> or whatever um but yeah so i don't know i guess maybe the way i played resulted in less of that than a lot of other people will get that is like if you do because basically it comes up if you're if you are undetected but have to like kill someone that's in view of other people Mm -hmm. and if you're playing very stealth like single person individual encounters Mm -hmm. it's it would be a lot harder because you don't want to kill somebody in view of somebody yeah that just gives you away so it makes sense uh I'm a bow advocate in this yeah, game. I mean, me too. I thought the crossbow was even better when that was introduced. I don't know how I feel about the crossbow. I liked that the crossbow had... It felt like the bow, but more lethal. Yeah. And that just, in my book, is just a straight upgrade. <laughs> well, yeah, I agree with you. I don't know if that's better for the game, though. Mm. Like, because I liked the but bow, they kept, like, angle They thing. kept the ammunition scarce though like i feel like it worked to make it like the bow more effective right yeah like you that... can make the arrows yeah okay i agree with that uh i don't know either way i like both the weapons yeah no yeah me too they're I just, top tier it was very frustrating when it felt like the bow would just randomly not kill a guy like sometimes like a lot most of the time it it's like a one-hit kill mm-hmm. and then randomly it'll be like oh you you slightly missed the, the arbitrary spot you needed to hit, uh, and he's alive, and we'll alert everybody now. <laughs> Thanks for playing. Yeah, that happened to me a few too many times. Right. I want to come back to that, uh, but just to like real quickly jump back to the previous point and try to conclude that. Do you think, I guess in your mind, conceptually, the named NPCs and relationships and stuff adds to the game in a way that is good (laughs) yes and no i think i think it adds for what they're going for Mm -hmm. like they i think they want you I, i think they want you to feel a little bit bad about what you're doing but i think more they want to emphasize um how like desensitized or like how monstrous the characters are like i think it 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 emphasizes like the themes that they want to emphasize like all of the the murdering that's happening yeah the thing i can't square in my own head and, and this is not even really that valid of a point all things considered but like in a game like this that is purely linear purely narrative and has no player choice the option of doing like the fact that you don't have an option but to eliminate whole camps of people is 
makes it feel more flat. Like, it is emphasizing that Ellie is not thinking about this, Mm -hmm. and that Abby, to an extent, also is not, uh, and is just sort of, like, going on a murderous rampage. And, like... I don't know. Like, I get that, and I think that that is good, but it doesn't make me feel anything, and I don't know. Like, I feel like it should. There's something about it that should feel worse, and they emphasize the violence so much in this game, like, with the names trying to, like, give a personality to all the people you kill. The fact that, like, (laughs) everything is basically ten times more bloody than it was in the last game. Mm -hmm. Um and the fact that it's all sort of like subdued, low saturation, like darkness, like grim darky type stuff, it, it conveys its mood really well and its tone. But I don't think that it imparts that on the player in the way that it wants to. Mm-hmm. And the names, and this could just be me, and if so, I will eat whatever criticism comes my way. It makes it highlights it in a way that feels fakey and kind of weird, like forced. Yeah, like I don't care that I killed Jeff the guy any more than I killed a nameless NPC because someone yelled the name. Mm-hmm. I care about the action that is happening and why the character is doing it, but the fact that they're named and that somebody else cares about them and shit could be interpreted in any game with names or without so i i don't know it it's a weird choice mm-hmm. i don't think it really adds but other people love it and i don't want to take that away from them like that i think it's it's a it's a decision yeah i feel like it probably would land better if it happened less like if it happened to you a lot uh i feel like that takes a lot of the venom out of it that's true um yeah i don't know it is it is a weird uh aspect of the game because yeah it isn't you do have to kill everybody and so it's not really about like player choice like it might be in a different game um it's more i think just supposed to add to the characterization of like this like it's not an option not to kill all these people for these characters mm-hmm. like i think it's supposed to drive that home and i i feel like i don't yeah it's just like a, maybe a little bit too bleak <laughs> like you know like it doesn't really have to go that far yeah this game is very bleak like it has jokes but it's not that many of them, uh, and for the most part, everything is pretty uh, dour. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. It does fit the tone. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I'm lightning. So anyway, back to the thing about people being alerted to your presence mm-hmm. because you didn't kill them with a bow successfully. Uh, the stealth in this game, I think, worked pretty well. I found that it was a little bit reliant on, like, re-hiding. I feel like if I got spotted in an encounter with a lot of people, uh, my options were to either die or (laughs) 
run away and like just hide somewhere else and eventually they just sort of forget about you mm-hmm. and i don't love that rhythm I, mm. I liked it in smaller encounters where once you're found out, you can start using the guns. But if there are too many enemies and the game gets worse and worse about this as it goes on, where it adds like 10, 12 people in a single encounter, it's like impossible to just shoot your way out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's kind of just what my natural rhythm with this was, was I... I like I was pretty stubborn about using the stealth approach and would try to rehide if I felt like I had the option. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that's just kind of the way <laughs> combat works for me in these games. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, it did, there is a cool thing that I do like in this game uh, regarding that, where if you get shot, you will fall back. Oh yeah, and you can shoot from the ground. And, like, the number of times that I actually did that was pretty low, but I loved that that was an option mm-hmm. as, like, a, a almost like a counterattack in, like, a Fire Emblem game, where you're like, oh, I, t- I took damage because I screwed up, but now I have this one opportunity where if I'm, like, sharp and good enough, I can shoot the other person back in the head, mm-hmm. and then I can go back to, like, whatever else I was doing. Yeah. Unless there's another person around. And then they In which shoot case you would just get shot die. again. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but yeah, that was the other uh, thing. And one questionable choice that I guess makes some amount of sense, narratively, not narratively, but like world building wise, whenever you grab somebody for a stealth approach, your weapon will change to whatever your like sidearm is. Mm-hmm. And if you're using a long gun, like the bow... That is the quiet option. It just holsters it. And so you kill him, and then you sneak around, and then you go to shoot the next person with the bow, and, oh, wait, I'm holding a revolver, (laughs) which is very loud. And once, occasionally, because the bow, you hold the L trigger, and then you hold the right trigger to pull it back, Mm -hmm. I would just fire around and then all of a sudden everybody knows where i am Mm. i wish you would switch back that's so nitpicky yeah but i do hate it i was so micromanaging about what weapon i had that i can't say i ever had that problem not not so for (laughs) me uh That's why I did like having the silencer, at least, because I could preemptively equip the silence pistol before Mm. anything. It should switch back, though. Yeah. I wanted to talk about how the game looks. Probably a good call, yeah. uh, Given that it is a Naughty Dog game, and that's kind of their thing. Is it their thing? Yeah, it's as far as, like like realistic looking games go, I feel like they're the ones that push the envelope because they don't cave in to like the open world game fad and they make more linear games so they can pump more money (laughs) and quality into like the characters and the animations and stuff yeah and the facial animation in this is incredible yeah uh like how natural the faces look and it's like multiple scenes where like characters kiss and it actually looks <laughs> right. You know, like it doesn't look like weird dolls smashing their faces together. Like, see, 
i.e. every video game ever before this one. Yeah, it's just, it's really impressive. And it's the kind of thing where the improvements have been so gradual that, like, not everyone will appreciate it. But, like, it's it's pretty remarkable, I think, how good the, like, facial animations specifically are. And just all the animations in general. Yeah. I find it difficult generally to praise, like, the quote-unquote good graphics in games. Well, me too, especially with realistic ones. But I feel like Naughty Dog deserves it. Yeah. I mean, obviously there was a lot of effort put into this, and obviously the result does look really good. I am afraid of what this is going to look like a few years from now, like if it's going to feel dated or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just the danger of going with this approach. Yeah. Uh, But that's not really... Like, the goal is to look good right now, and if that's the goal, they succeeded. I, I feel like the the facial detail goes a long way mm-hmm. to making it look good for longer, but there will come at 10 years from now. This won't look good. Right. Yeah. Straight up. <laughs> I mean, the last of us one still looks pretty decent. Like to this day. Yeah. Like I pretty decent is really underselling how good it still looks. Yeah. But it already does look somewhat dated though. Yeah. The uh, environments though, I think uh, do deserve like the the fact the way that they got it's hard not to repeat shit I said three years ago but in both games the amount of like sort of handcrafted detail that is in every environment is pretty impressive like I think that the uh, the existence of like shit that is like quote unquote old world that is overgrown and the fact that like all the buildings and stuff look different and new it gives it it's the same aesthetic as the first game but it's still good like Mm -hmm. even now like this apocalypse is an interesting one yeah and they've pushed it even further in this one like the number of different buildings in seattle that have unique interiors like the music store like Mm -hmm. they created all that shit just for that music store and you might not even go in it yep and you gotta get gotta get those scissors and shit. yeah like, like they don't even put new mechanical oh, shit in you, there you might have had to have gone in there that's where like that cutscene with the guitar yeah where she sings take on me yeah um but uh yeah like they created all that stuff and they didn't barely reuse any assets in different places like when it's like unique stuff like that yeah so like that's super impressive and like the aquarium there's like all kinds of unique art assets in there and the museum and stuff like it's i don't know it's pretty it's incredible how many like buildings and things have just like unique stuff in them yeah uh and and not to take anything away from that i think almost as a result of how good it looks uh the fact that the game is split into two parts with uh, Abby revisiting a lot of the same locations that you do as Ellie uh, means they get to reuse a lot of that work, uh, which is just, which is not lazy or bad or greedy. It is smart. It is an intelligent decision, <laughs> mm-hmm. and I support it. I do want to point out something that I noticed that was very unusual. When you're sneaking into the aquarium as Ellie on the left 
as you go past like the middle part, like raining and storming, mm-hmm. there's a slide, like a children's slide. They do reuse slide. the snail slide. The snail slide. I noticed that too. It's such a standout, like, you don't just forget the smiling snail slide because <laughs> it feels out of place. And then it shows up in a totally different location. Yeah, at least that was, like, at the zoo, though. Yeah, and maybe they drug it from the zoo to the aquarium. They're like, we gotta take this slide. (laughs) I mean, I would do that, except I wouldn't be able to carry it. No. So I don't know if that actually Both the aquarium and the zoo bought it from the same catalog. Yeah, they just... (laughs) I guess snails could be in both a zoo and an aquarium. I was going to say, they did it because it made sense in both places. Yeah. God, that fucking snail slide. (laughs) (laughs) No, I totally noticed that, too. (laughs) Uh, All right. One last thing before we try and wrap this up. Uh Uh-huh. The, uh, uh, I felt like there should have been more mechanical differences between Ellie and Abby. And the fact that there weren't made the difference between playing them feel less significant. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if this is like a big thing. Cause like if, if the whole game had been Ellie, I wouldn't have brought up this complaint. I wouldn't have said, I wish that she would have just changed her move set halfway through the game <laughs> because that would be ridiculous. But one thing that I did say to somebody as I was playing through the game the first time was, I don't know if this mechanic set is going to hold up for 30 hours and spoilers, it kind of does actually, I think they do a decent job with it. Uh, but it would have gone a little bit further to making it unique if they had separated the two a little more. Yeah. I, I kind of read it as them wanting to emphasize the similarities between the characters. So I don't know if it was like hoity toity, narrative stuff i don't know if that's very charitable or the right answer (laughs) that's that's the way it came off to me but i don't know yeah uh yeah i don't know that's the only thing like the the different skill trees did a good job of differentiating but at the same time like they weren't they didn't affect that much so Mm -hmm. and even your gun options are kind of similar with the exception of like the rifle that Ellie has sucks ass, and the one that <laughs> that uh, Abby has is good, and and I liked it. Mm-hmm. That's about it, though. Also, shout out to the Sky Bridge. The Sky Bridge. Yeah, like the second. I think it's second day with Abby. You like climb all the way up a building, and then have to go across like a makeshift oh, that, yeah. bridge. That was sweet. Yeah. No, that's actually. Uh, because th- this is something I did notice and was like, I wonder if this is going to, like, play a big part than the Sky Bridge happened. But if you're ever anywhere that is high up and you look down, the camera will sort of, like, pan and, like, shake mm-hmm. and she'll start to, like, Yeah, get Abby's afraid of heights, yeah. Yeah, so I like that they included that as just, like, a detail. Mm-hmm. It's good stuff. Oh, fuck, ass. One other thing we have to talk <laughs> about, uh, because I wrote it down... And I have to talk about it because I want people to know what a good fucking thing this was. Uh-huh. It's so small. There's a fight, one fight ever in the whole game, where you're fighting in, like, knee-deep water. And if you go prone, you can swim under the water unseen and swim around people 
as like a stealth mechanic. Holy shit. If you put swimming into your stealth game, this is the way to do it. That was cool as shit. I wanted it to happen way more than it did. It was just the one fight, but God, I loved it. What a good idea. I did not do that. (laughs) Well, I didn't even know you could do it until I died like three times in the encounter. Mm. Uh, It's great. It's a good decision. Like it a lot. Uh, Anyway, ending of the game. Uh Uh-huh. It's three hours long, uh, and I was shocked. Me too. It felt really weird, but then like once it started going, I was into it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it does. It is weird that yeah, exactly what you said. It's weird that it just keeps going. Like, you're really not <laughs> expecting it. Yeah. Uh, honestly, I th- I feel like where I'm at, it's gonna shock. Long time uh, listeners to hear. I did not think that this game was overly long. I think that there was a little bit that could be trimmed on both Ellie and Abby's sides. Probably Ellie more so, but Abby had some... The whole sequence where you go into... Like, onto the island and then come back went on for too long. Mm -hmm. Uh Generally, I think it's pretty tight. I think it has a good runtime. Uh, it gets its points across, and the fact that you change perspectives makes the story still interesting. The ending, I would not really change anything. Like, I think that the pacing of that ending is super good. Once you stomach the fact that you aren't done with the game, uh, you're like, oh, fuck, there's more. And it goes on and on and on and on. And I actually liked like every beat that they hit with it. Uh, with the exception of, I think, the Rattlers are a shitty antagonist. That barely really counts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, it really places, narratively speaking, the culpability on Ellie. Like, Ellie has... like The last step of leaving again is kind of fucked, all things yeah. considered. Now, I feel like it. it's one of those things where... Like, you as the viewer feel like it's kind of ridiculous that she's going back again. But then, when you stop and think about it, I I feel like it does make sense that she does. Like, once again, kind of like with Joel, like, they're really... Like, they make you want better for the character. And then... But, like, the character just doesn't care. You know? Like, and it, it, it drives a wedge between you and it. But, like, that's I think that's what they want. Like, they really like playing with your perspective and relationship with the character you're playing and i think it ended up making a lot of sense even though i was like oh ellie don't go <laughs> i don't want to go murder a bunch more guys with you uh, i don't want to kill abby come on let's just go home <laughs> let's just stay home yeah let's yeah. just stay home uh, i yeah i agree completely like yeah. i thought it it took the narrative conceit of the first game and the narrative conceit of the second game and made them perfectly one and the same in this moment where it feels like you have finally gotten the ending that you wanted for the last 40 hours of this game and the previous one where Ellie is safe and she's settled down and she has a fucking family now Mm -hmm. uh, and they have records and shit. And they listen to him like it's a good time. Yeah, it's like, but when you play that, I think it does a good job of, like, 
making you feel like it isn't gonna last. Like oh, yeah. Abby, well, Abby cannot settle, or not Abby, Jesus, Ellie cannot settle down. Like she would get fidgety and bored given the life that she's lived. That's fair. I was more in the boat of this is a Naughty Dog game. This is a The Last of Us game. And what is going to happen is someone is going to drop a nuke on the farm. Like, uh, not literally, but something was going yeah, to happen that no, was going to ruin I was that. like, oh no. Like, they, they Naughty Dog would not kill a baby. <laughs> like, I'm unconvinced. I don't know. I was like, after this game, I, I was pretty sure Dina was going to get shot. Mm-hmm. That whole time, I I agree. Like I, it was like, when's shit? Where's the shit? And where's the fan? And when, and are, when they are they gonna? gonna... Collide? Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I and I thought that was great. Yeah, how like tense that was, and I liked how picturesque the farmhouse was. I feel like there's a specific painting that it's drawing inspiration from, but I forgot to look it up. Like the distant, like when, like when she comes back. Yeah. Like when you're out at the tractor and like you can, like just the way it's framed, I feel like it's referencing a specific thing, but I don't remember what it is. Yeah. It's, it's got that like idyllic. Yeah. Farmhouse. Yeah. In the middle of like a wheat field Mm -hmm. with like sheep and shit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that's great, and I love the decision for Ellie to be the one who chooses to leave. Mm-hmm. Like, you think that they're just going to, like, shoot Tommy away, and then something else is going to happen, but Ellie is the one who sort of, like, she's like, I have to make this mm-hmm. decision. Like, I have to go after this. And once again, Abby and Love's part is cool. Uh, it, th- there's exploration Mm-hmm. And you don't just find scissors and shit. Yeah. There's like a whole narrative part to it and you get yeah. information about stuff. Yeah, dude. I'll be sad if Last of Us Part 3 isn't just Abby and Lev. It's gotta be, right? I, I, they're gonna go back to Ellie. Like, I feel like they left it at a, uh, on a note. Uh, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> with Ellie where they could leave it, but they won't because they like money. This and true. people like Ellie, so they'll bring her back. <laughs> Maybe they'll just... She'll be the next Joel. <laughs> she'll die in the beginning. In the begin- no, actually, here's my prediction. Mark it down. Uh, Last of Us Part 3 comes out. You start uh, by playing as Ellie, and then Abby dies somehow. Oh. <laughs> they will. They would have to subvert your expectation mm-hmm. by killing the least likely character for them to kill. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but you know, I, I loved that part. Like when they're just like in Florida, it's like a change of scenery. Mm-hmm. We got these new characters we like, and like we're I, yeah, like you said, like we're narrative exploring. You know, like that was cool. I also think they're in Santa Barbara. Whatever. But either way. Yeah. Oh, what did I say? Florida. Oh, yeah. I meant California. That's the other side of the country. That would be a wild uh, jump. (laughs) Ellie will never suspect it. Yeah, Tommy would not have found that boat. (laughs) (laughs) Really, if they had gone to Florida, it would have been way better. They should have gone to Mexico. Yeah. That's where people run away to in fiction. Yeah, so Johnny Law can't get to them. Yeah. But yeah, then you do the whole Ellie part, and this is the one part that I think might be a little long. Like, gunning everybody down, even though they give you the submachine gun to, like, make it easier. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, like, warranted here, though, because it, it really drives home, like, what she's chosen to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's murder a hundred more people. 
<laughs> well, this is why, and this is the last thing that I would say before we get to the actual ending of the game, is this is why I hate the Rattlers as a as an antagonist because because they just suck yeah they're slavers like they're the worst imaginable people yeah well, and it makes it feel way too justified yeah and she's killing them true all. i feel like they were it's just shorthand here they didn't have time to like set up <laughs> a whole an antagonistic faction. force so they're like well what do people be okay with uh horrible slavers yep kill them all yep and also one of them is just, like, a guy who probably has a TV show on the History Channel. <laughs> uh, the scene where she gets stabbed by the tree is a good... And I don't know if this is intentional, but it's a reflection of, like, Joel getting mm-hmm. impaled. Uh, and being turned upside down. Yep. Yeah, she really goes through the trials and tri- the trial and tribulation of Joel. Mm-hmm. Each one of them. Uh at, like that whole sequence, like that cutscene was really good. It's a weird thing to like compliment, but like mm. it's a good scene. Uh, but then, yeah, you just you just fucking slaughter a bunch of people. Yep, <laughs> that are like justifiably terrible people and uh, should have been killed. And it goes on for a really long time, uh, and there's a lot of them. And then they do another manly boss fight in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sequence is great. <laughs> Like, we get it, game developers. You've played Metal Gear. Yes. <laughs> we have, without this being an intentional goal, have referenced Metal Gear multiple times. Mm-hmm. And it's as if to dr- to draw the comparison out of us, they have a fight where you punch another character repeatedly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ellie doesn't kill Abby. Right. Good decision? Yes. Okay. Good. <laughs> it it she it's she was Joel all the way up through that and decides to not be in that that moment where she because Joel would have killed Abby's ass and yeah. her balls. <laughs> um and she chooses not to. So like you do get a little bit of growth with Ellie. Um and I don't know. I think it's. I love the afterwards, like the shot of her just like sitting in the water. It's good. Um, yeah, I think the sequence was good. I like that she doesn't the decision to not kill her. And, but I do agree with what you were saying earlier, where I feel like the fight is too long. Yeah, it takes a long time, and it's the same. The fact that the character who you've spent now more time in the game with than Ellie, mm-hmm. the fight is identical mechanically to a fight with a random guy. <laughs> it's a little bit different. She has like some counterattacks and stuff. It's not different enough. No, I mean, that's fair, <laughs> but it it is, it is different. Yeah. Uh, but the fact that they're that close, I don't think is like good. Like I think mm-hmm. that they should have differentiated it more, or arguably just had it play out in the cutscene. Like I get the idea that they want the player to feel like they're participating in the moment, mm-hmm. but if I don't know, I they should they should have one cut the fight that is identical to this that happens less than three hours before in the game uh-huh. 
or done something to make it like a different kind of thing i think just make it shorter or honestly yeah like they're both like ellie was in like impaled by a tree branch and abby is probably malnourished and weak you know like and that probably even would have made it more impactful like these people are like dying yeah but they're still choosing to just beat the crap out of each other like if it was shorter it probably would have even made it feel more brutal yeah i i feel like this is even like a thing like a trope that happens where two people who are near it's the pikachus in pokemon the first movie (laughs) slapping each other across the face as they collapse from exhaustion Mm -hmm. it's like that is a thing that they could do that would keep the impact of the sequence but without making it feel so long and bland Mm -hmm. i don't know it robs a little bit of it but the scene itself is so like beautifully shot. I feel like it's mm-hmm. it's safe to right. some extent. What do you think about Abby biting Ellie's fingers off? <laughs> uh, fucking brutal. Yeah, I don't know if a person can do that. I, I thought about that as well. But like, as soon as like as soon as the fight ended and it has the shot of her like holding her hand there in the water, I'm like, oh no, she can't play the guitar anymore. Right. Yeah. Like immediately. That's the cost. And then they really rub it in by making you try to play the guitar afterwards. Yeah, and the chords are all fucked up. Yep. And, yep. Make it extra sad. Yep. The Last of Us, too sad. Yeah, this Last of Us, two less fingers. <laughs> um. <laughs> That's one that I'm going to want to make the episode title, but can't for spoiler reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about Sarah fights? <laughs> That one I actually considered. Um, but um, no, I feel like yeah, that alone uh, makes it worth it. Yeah, that's a really impactful moment. Well, it's getting kind of late. Uh, I think it's time to unwind, have a little cocktail. Mm, starting to get dark outside. Yeah. Do you have two fingers of thoughts? <laughs> the last of thoughts. The last of thoughts. Oh, God, it feels hard to boil it down into final thoughts, but... uh, I agree. This is why I wrote a paragraph before. Despite (laughs) all of the controversy about the story, I liked the story pretty Mm -hmm. much completely. Like, there's some nitpicky things, um, some little little plot inconsistencies I can point at, but for the most part, I liked the story all the way through. I I was picking up what Naughty Dog was putting down. Um... For me, like, it falls down gameplay-wise. I think the first half is too slow of a burn, and I felt like the open Seattle doesn't really work well with the game design. Um, And I was pretty, like, lukewarm on the game. And then it switches to Abby, and I thought, like, the it was more dense in its design it was more linear more focused cooler set pieces you had uh lev there who was like a companion that was more similar to like ellie in the first game where he kind of just had a bow and uh assisted you in in that way and i don't know yeah like the second half i thought was like incredible at times like the whole sequence where you go through the burning town was awesome like there was a lot of cool moments and like the stuff with the aquarium and 
I thought was all really good character building stuff that actually made you care about Abby, et cetera, et cetera. So I thought they fucking nailed the second half. Yeah. And the first half was just kind of okay. So it averages out to, I think, a good game that's a bit too long. I think the Abby part could have, or the Ellie part. Why are those names so similar? Uh, the Ellie part at the beginning could have been shaved down uh, or changed a bit. Like her, her more linear parts, I think, were weaker as well. Maybe could have punched those up. Um, but yeah, so like overall, like I was actually pretty pleased with this. Yeah. Um, I think I liked the first one better. I think it was like tighter. Uh, like the concept and the gameplay, I think, went like the cross country road trip aspect with the zombie apocalypse and like i just felt like it was a little bit more cohesive an idea of an idea as original things tend to be Uh, sequels are a little bit harder to recapture that so i give this a lot of props and uh yeah i liked it a lot grievances aside (laughs) i think uh overall this is a good game uh final thoughts so, I do want to mention, just as, like, a, a brief aside, that I thought that the part where everything was burning on in the war zone, mm. I really hated that oh, whole sequence. I thought that was so cool. I mean, visually it was pretty neat, but I couldn't tell what they wanted me to be doing uh, most see, of the time. I didn't have those problems. Yeah. I started, like, there's a, a part where there's, like, a, uh, a front of each side and the uh, wolves are in, a like, a restaurant. And I kept trying to sneak into the restaurant uh, and kill those see, people. You, you, you just run. Exactly. You don't try and fight anybody <laughs> yeah. unless someone directly attacks you. Well, I thought I was trying to sneak. Mm. But sneaking was not the option because it keeps yeah. setting you way back. You just run. Everything yeah. is fine. Yeah, riding on the horse was doing well. So probably running is the best option when you're not on the horse. Yeah. That, that I feel like should have been more clear. Anyway. I don't know. I feel like it was pretty clear. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> Uh, actual Final Thoughts. Uh, I thought this game was really good. Uh, I was surprised to find myself enjoying the game as much as I did. I, I think, like you said, the first half is a lot weaker than the second half. And specifically the first, like, quarter of the game, I think is like... If it had continued in that vein, and I don't know if they were trying to set this up as that, like, this is the bad part so that later when you hit the good part you'll be like oh i get what they're going for Mm -hmm. (laughs) if that's the case good job i don't think it is no that's a bad idea yeah (laughs) Yeah, Uh, i could find a million quotes that say you don't want your people to say oh it's good if you put in 10 hours like you don't want people to say that about your game yeah but anyway uh but yeah, we did put in the 10 hours, and we came out feeling pretty good about the rest of it. Um, I think that's a good thing. I think this game succeeds narratively, like, wildly succeeds. Um, most of the characters that they introduce have, like, reasoning behind what they're doing. There's, like, an actual exploration of most of them. Uh, the relationship between Ellie and Dina feels really, like, realistic to with the exception of, I don't know why Dina agreed to any of this, which uh, <laughs> you've already addressed. Uh, and I don't know, it, it creates sort of an ensemble cast that you actually give a shit about, which is really rare for a game, uh, especially a game as dark as this one. Uh, 
on the flip side, I think this game sort of fails as a sequel because it doesn't change enough to make the differences feel like actual differences. They just feel like very minor mechanical improvements for the most part. Uh, but in the end, if, like me, you haven't played the first game in several years, you probably won't... N you'll probably notice it, but you probably won't care that much because also, if you're like me, you haven't played a lot of third-person stealth action shooters in a long time. Uh, so coming back to it didn't feel as bad as I thought it might. I don't know. I liked it. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I came more positive on this than I thought I was going to in a lot of ways. Uh, Me too, with, yeah. Yeah, with my main complaints being all of the complaints I had about the first game, <laughs> which I also like. And to mirror your final line, I actually like this game a little bit more than the first one, I think, in the long run. I would have guessed that about you. <laughs> Fair. Oh, also, uh, I love the fucking... Uh, trading cards mm. and is the one thing that abby's side did worse because finding quarters is boring i did find the west virginia quarter me too so i was like all right that's all i needed yep there we all are right, pack it up let's get that's positive representation yep. west, west virginia <laughs> west <references>. by god <laughs> virginia Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about Pyre, uh, Supergiant's kind of bizarre, like, RPG soccer, soccer game. game. Yeah. Uh, so join us as we try and parse that one out as two people who don't play sports games. Hurrah. Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com. Uh, there you can find uh, links to all of our old episodes. You can listen all the way back to episode 37 uh, to our episode on The Last of Us 1 or... Uh, I don't know. There's some other AAA cool games we talked about. The God of War uh, comparison mm -hmm. came up, uh, and I think that episode is... Uh, stand out yeah me. i think that's one of our better episodes yeah uh so check check that shit uh links to our youtube the discord where you can talk about this uh mm -hmm. weirdly not a lot of people talking about it right now i don't know if people are even playing it our our audience is more uh <laughs> we weird had, we had a <laughs> real discussion about xeno clash on our discord yep uh, we're actually playing Pyre because people on the Discord were interested in it. Yeah, and you can suggest games on there if you if you join. And we won't do them. I mean, we do them occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's getting harder and harder to pick games all the time. The longer this goes on, so this is true. The suggestions section might uh, gain more importance. Yeah, we've. Uh... We've run out of all the classic good games. Like, what are we going to do? Poor shit like Ocarina of Time. <laughs> uh, take a, a Switchblade and stab it into the jugular vein of the subscribe button. I really thought you were just going to give up and say, a uh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> On the subscribe button. <laughs> 
<laughs> all right, it's too hot in here. <laughs> it sure is. So take out to off all your clothes. <laughs> Games, video games, video games, developed by Naughty Dog, published by Sony, Interactive Entertainment, released on... (laughs) (laughs) PS4 in 2020. (laughs) June 19th. I, I I could tell that you could tell that my eyes lit up when I saw that entertainment would fit into the entertainment. Like, <laughs> <laughs> All right.